I'm like your favorite tweeter's favorite tweeter. The, you're, you're a tweeter's tweeter. <laughs> a t- yeah, exactly. tweeter's tweeter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not many of those, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's a rare uh, the po- A poster's poster. Yeah. poster's poster. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not in it for the fame. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. You're in it for the art of the post. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Work, yeah. Workman-like attitude. Yeah, I'm a real lunch pail tweeter. <laughs> <laughs> Nine to five. <laughs> No, no fan, you know, no, no in zone dances, uh, yeah. on the, on the big, big tweets, just clock in every day. Yeah. I act like I've been there before, you know, yeah, when yeah. I, when I get that New York times style section, like, or something, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's the good shit. <laughs> no, you don't do it for the likes. You just, you do it for the love of the tweet. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing songwriter, singer, one of the best-selling artists of all time, it's Mr. Garth Brooks. From humble oaky beginnings to world-conquering country stardom, today we'll be learning all about Brooks, embarrassingly our first country music star, through his book, The Anthology, Part 1, The First Five Years. But first, let's introduce our own guest. He's a lifelong Garth Brooks fan. Our first guest to show up in the studio wearing a a shirt of the artist we're covering. Facts. It's our friend Kevin Sweeting. Hi, Kevin. What's up? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me and giving me an opportunity to wear my Garth Brooks t-shirt outside of my bedroom. (laughs) I'm so excited. and I'm glad that in this audio format, we're just going to have to talk about it rather than show it. Yeah, I think the listeners should just kind of trust us on this one. Yeah, Yeah. but it's true. Maybe I'll get a picture of the shirt and use it as the uh, soon image. Ooh, Uh, yeah. Ooh, Ooh. multimedia. Intertextual. Beautiful voice, beautiful body. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Kevin, we, we went to college together. We did. Um, and I've been a fan of your internet presence for many years. And when I asked you to do the podcast, I didn't realize it was your first, first ever pod experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I turned, I turned 30, uh, about a week ago. Okay. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I kind of forgot what you're supposed to say to people when they say it's their birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Mm. And, um, I figured, you know, now that I'm 30, it's like, um, kind of requisite that I, um, start appearing on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Mandatory. Yep. So it's I'm, like Harry Potter getting the, uh, the letter when he turns 11, that he has to go to wizarding school. You get the letter in the mail. That's like, it's time to start appearing yeah. on and producing podcasts. An old podcast. man showed up on my street, turned off all the street lights, And here I am <laughs> speaking into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> You're a podcaster, Ari. Yes. <laughs> well, we're, we're very glad to have you. And I'm so glad to talk about Garth. I didn't realize this is definitely not our, this is our, our first country person yeah. ever which is embarrassing. We've been doing this for almost two years, but better late than ever. Unless you consider Woody Guthrie, but he's really not. He's, he's a folky. Yeah. 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 So tell us about your relationship with Garth Brooks. Okay. Um, <laughs> Garth. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of weird growing up. I was really into country music. I grew up in New York and my mom was from Texas. So I think that's probably how it happened. Mm-hmm. And New York actually does have a country music station currently. But they didn't for a long time. Wait, did you grow up in New York City? I grew up in uh, the suburbs of New York City. Okay, so Westchester not upstate, County. which is basically like Alabama. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I didn't <laughs> grow up in like Oneida, which like might as well be yeah, yeah, yeah. Alabama. Yeah. I grew up in a town called Hastings-on-Hudson, which is like 15 miles oh, yeah. north of Manhattan. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, like nobody I knew was into country music, um, which weirdly at the time, I think 
like being into country music, I felt like made me cool. Yes. Like everybody in my high school, like my high school is super small and my friend group took a lot of pride in being like hip. Yep. So me being into country music, like all my friends were like talking about like pavement and like we were all like my first concert was like bright eyes. Like we were like very deliberately like a version, you know, a, mm-hmm. a kind of early 2000s version of like cool. Mm-hmm. And yep. then I was like also like, oh, yeah, guys, like, you know about that music, but I know all about this other music. <laughs> like I know about country music. You guys don't know about that. Which, yeah, which can be like a little secret key to hip, hipster. Dog. As long as you pick something that nobody else around oh, you yeah. Yeah. And go deep on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally paid off, particularly this past year. When country music yeah. is now like totally, you know, kind of having a little weird resurgence. How do you feel about the Yeehaw movement? Oh, I'm pro Yeehaw. Yeah. yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you feel like, obviously this is extremely popular music to a wide swath of the country, but do you also feel like your underground thing has been, Oh yeah, you know, taken yeah, from yeah, you? Yeah, no, I hate to see like literally the uh, majority of the country start to enjoy a thing that I thought was privately <laughs> mine. Um, but it also turns out was the majority of the rest of the country enjoying it without me knowing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way that it's gotten injected back in, I mean, there've been a few vectors. Casey Musgrave is, is maybe more of an over, over, top way but mm-hmm. like the, sure. the the predominant way that people are thinking about this through uh little nas x's uh old town road yes which we honestly might do a whole fucking episode on is such a weird vector for uh country to become a thing again that it's like this weird mutant con- country song that almost sounds like a parody built off of a nine inch nails sample yep. th- that like burbles up and then is like thrust into the limelight by being denied the status of country music by the country music charts right yeah like the the Nas X thing like that became people like rallied around that being a country song because somebody told them that it couldn't be a country yeah. song yeah which is vi- something that I feel like you know and it played in a different way that I feel like country music fans might reject in a way but there's nothing more country than being told you can't do something oh, and want yeah. to do it anyway yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no absolutely yeah. Yeah, this is like a, a, a liberty anthem in, yeah, a, in, a, right. in a way. <laughs> so it's it's very nice and heartening to see this this thing that could be labeled as inauthentic be like totally accepted immediately. Although I look, I don't troll hardcore uh, country <laughs> fandoms. Right, I'm yeah, sure there's some people. You're who not on like the SavingCountry.com forums. Yeah, or exactly. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm sure there's some people who are opposed to it. But but to have this thing just like hit and seemingly all of pop culture be like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. let's do it. Let's yeah, do we're going to rip into this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like rip into it in a good way. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the like other thing with the Lil Nas X, and like not to go down too many rabbit holes here, but... This, um, is, a, this is a podcast. Yeah, okay, we cool. Love yeah, let's dig some rabbit holes. Yeah. But there's like a really, really rich history of like rap and R&B and country crossovers. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's like a weird, if you look back at like 90s, particularly 90s country, there are a lot of songs that either started as R&B hits and then became country songs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the songwriters sold it to you right. know, different different artists. Yeah. Or vice versa. So there are songs that like Tim McGraw were a number one hit for Tim McGraw and a number one hit for like... Um, B2K yeah, or like Boys to Men I think is actually the one in that example and and that's like a whole cool thing yeah. so there has been like a cool connection between like country music obviously like predominantly white dudes in black cowboy hats yeah. and then through the songwriting and through I think like the infrastructure of a lot of that like music industry stuff mm-hmm. that there was like a weird infusion of kind of like soul R&B sounds into it it's pretty cool yeah 
That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it makes sense as a crossover of those two points combining because they both have that like emotional romantic yearning yeah. quality to them. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, the that's mid, like the part some mid tempo yearning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're also like, I mean, not to like generalize here, but they're also major lyrical genres. Yeah, you know. Yes. Um, I think particularly countries like all or for a long time was like all about like really intense storytelling mm-hmm. right. and oftentimes didn't have the kind of like verse chorus structure right. in the same way and was just like my mom is on a train and then I'm crying like <laughs> blah 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 like then my dad's in jail and and I don't know I feel like there's a similar like kind of storytelling progression to a lot of rap yeah. songs particularly early rap songs yeah I mean, and also I mean the com- the combination of both of them being traditionally underclass mm-hmm. genres yeah mm-hmm. And genres of you know very different types and qualities and, and I guess uh, scales, but of of um, oppression, whether economic disenfranchisement sure, just, or racial disenfranchisement, yep, you know. Yep. Also, uh, you know, genres are just collapsing. Like yeah. rap music is pop music, country music is pop music, yeah. and so no rap music is country music. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the transitive property. Yeah. Right. Um, it also just like all those people who for so long were saying like, I listen to everything but rap and country. Yeah. Now they're just like totally missing out because yeah. everything is rap and country now. Great. Yes. Screw you guys. You those, are, those are the two, the two genders. And those, uh, yeah. And those guys are now the, probably the, the only people left on, you know, country, go, safe country. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's your experience with Garth Brooks? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my experience with Garth, which is like n- not none. I did not grow up listening to country music I had a friend in high school who I think maybe was the you of my friend group. Not that we were cool. I mean, I I liked some cool music, but I liked way too much, too many show tunes to be fully cool. But (laughs) that'll come back around though. Sure. Maybe that's the next wave. Who knows? But uh, this friend like was really into country music. I remember the thunder rolls was like the Garth Brooks song that I knew in high school. I was like, this song is dark shit. I love it. Um, but I didn't really know too much about him until I started reading and then I was trying to listen to his music, but he's not very friendly to uh, casual internet streaming. No, he's oh, not. That's like the big thing. Yeah. And I will I will note this as like a production note at the top of this episode. <laughs> we might have fewer clips than usual because Garth Brooks is a copyright guy and his music does not easily appear anywhere online for mm-hmm. free. No, he's like the biggest copyright person I've ever encountered in my entire life. It's crazy. Yeah. Like bigger, bigger even than seemingly like Metallica or any of those guys. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And there's like a whole, I mean, obviously like you can't, there's no YouTube streams of anything. Like mm-hmm. you, it's, like occasionally if he performed on like an NBC special, you can find a clip of that or yes, something. That's what I was yeah. sending yeah, to yeah. Chris. That's like pretty much what we're going to okay. be listening to yeah, today. If there, are, if there are any like major super fans listening, they can DM me and I will, I will slide them the thumb drive full of the discography. Yeah. yeah I mean Those like bootlegs, we need them. Yeah. yeah. I was searching for stuff and every clip that I found was, was like third generation ripped and compressed. Or right. Pitch shifted up a key yeah. or like played in a different tempo for yeah. some reason, or a so cover good. song with so by a guy who like basically sounds like Garth Brooks, but right, it's not yeah. Garth Brooks, yeah. but it's built as Garth Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's led weird. to a lot of one of my favorite um, like Spotify idiosyncrasies, which is people who just say their artist name is like in the style of Garth Brooks yeah. and then just like put, hey, it's upload, your boy like, in yeah. the style of Garth, Garth Brooks. Brooks. Like you already know who it is, a guy who kind of sounds like Garth Brooks, and then. They just like get up there and like create playlists to try to get as many people searching sure. for random stuff. I mean, that's yep. a that's a hustle. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'll do mine real quick. I, yes. I have no interaction with country music. I was, uh, you know, my family was was completely disconnected from it uh, as as a bougie 
pop culturally dislocated upper middle class white people in Ohio. Uh, I have no friends who are into it at all. And it's like, I mean, it's honestly just crazy going into this as Molly, you said the third top selling solo artist of of the 20th century. century. And I can name one of his songs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean the, the, the amount of cultural seclusion that this can exist in, uh, for for someone like me is is still insane. You got to get outside your liberal bubble. I do have to get outside the liberal bubble, and I'm excited <laughs> to because I, I, you know, I'm I I think that this music goes. It's very like spoiler alert. It's really good, and yeah. I like it. A oh lot. yeah, no, it's I, very well done. And I know Chris Gaines is like a gag that people rip on, but I'm fully prepared. I don't think we're going to get to it today, but maybe we'll revisit it. I'm fully prepared to believe that Chris Gaines is like a genius act of of performance re- reinvention, even though I know nothing about it. Oh, if Chris Gaines had had like one smart marketing person in the room when all that stuff happened, it would be seen as like one of the most incredible Kaufman-esque, like weird kind (laughs) of like experimental music things. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it's just seen as like a giant, like fiasco of hubris and like Garth Brooks basically just like wasting millions of dollars releasing like a like Mobius strip of weird joke albums (laughs) that have like fallen in on themselves. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit. Return to Gaines at the end. It's a little beyond the purview of the book. that We're referring to when Garth Brooks um, took on an alter ego in 1999, I think. And which I've referred to before is like the end of the millennium really broke a lot of um, rock people's brains like i think people were just stressed totally. by the year 2000 we I thought think it was going to be atms but it turned out to be like, like rock, yeah, rock, rock musicians yeah. yes uh but, but speak- yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk about that maybe at a later date but, but i love sp- that shit speaking of the purview of the book do you want to describe what exactly the thing we read today is we can't talk about this book without talking about this like very strange launch strategy that garth is working with he announced <laughs> this in like i want to say 26 I think 2016, he announced the project, which is like, it's the anthology. It's five, it's going to be five parts. It's going to be multimedia, book, music, videos, like an AR experience. <laughs> you have to have AR in, GBX, the, in the, the year of our Lord 2019. But like, okay, so great. Five parts. Like first one comes out November of 2017, anthology part one. This is what we're talking about today. It's a book. It has pages photos it's got a lot of photos um the one i the, the thing i ordered did not come with the cd oh the one oh I wait ordered. no it did come with the yeah. cd and i think i immediately discarded it because we don't have any way of playing yeah, CDs what are, like imagine releasing a book in 20 whatever and thinking like oh yeah let's include five cds with this <laughs> yeah like they're just going to become coasters there's yeah, yeah. absolutely no way yeah and i i also want to be specific that it's like this is like a large format like coffee table yes. glossy printed hardcover you know, full full page photos on everything. The closest thing that we read to this is the Eminem book. The, yeah, when we did Eminem and he did, you know, all of his like scans of his lyrics written on hotel napkins and oh. stuff. Um, There's a lot of those in here too. Yes. So like definitely it's for the fans. I, I don't think it was necessarily for me, the reader, <laughs> if I didn't have a podcast about books about music, but like it was definitely, it's fan service for sure. Oh yeah. So this is the anthology part one. Last year, November 2018, Garth launched the anthology part three. <laughs> it is, it's about his live show. It's like, I think it's maybe even live with an exclamation point, but it's another book. It's talking about his live performances. I think there's more music. There's AR. There are 10 AR experience through the Garth live app. So this is, but we're missing anthology part two. I don't know what it is. 
and it didn't come out and it's not there's it's, no release date it's never for been it. explained it's never like, been that's explained. the other thing he's like uh, he's a man who sticks to the plan like he obviously he he planned out he has a napkin somewhere with all five books planned out on them yeah and then book one finished released yeah you know sold whatever probably like 40 copies <laughs> two of them to us yeah and then book two I don't know, maybe got lost somewhere at a printer in China. Right. Uh, maybe he couldn't clear the rights to, you know, his middle school photo or something. Um, and he was like, oh, God, got to stick to the schedule full steam ahead on volume three. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even retitle it volume two. <laughs> you could have just retitled it volume two. That'd be so easy. Yeah. An easy fix. The craziest part of this whole saga is that um, at the time that he published uh, Anthology Part One, he he said... Parts four and five will be released next with two and three coming last. <laughs> oh, so the so plan to do them out of order has always been. It's always been there, but doing part three was supposed to come after part four and five. So now I'm just completely confused. Anyway, uh, this sounds like a mess. You guys aren't country music fans, so it's not weird that, or it's, you know, it's okay that you don't know this, but most country music artists don't actually follow traditional number structure. <laughs> is, it, is it the Nashville number yes, structure? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a, uh, kind of a, a, a parallel no- numerology system to Arabian numerals. Yes, exactly. They got really worried when they found out that um, <laughs> our number system was Arabic. And yeah. they're like, oh, I can't be associated with that. Yeah, Chris- Christian numbers only. Yeah, so we're going to go live one, then live three, four. Then sometime later, we'll come back to live two. two. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, so anyway, that's, that's where we're at. This is why we, I think I had originally even thought of maybe doing this episode with multiple books, but even in the time between me planning this and it happening, like the books did not come out the way they were supposed to. So we're doing anthology one. It covers the first five years of his career. So 1989 to 1993. And those are five albums. So he was like churning out one album a year for the first five years. Truly insane. Oh, it's an absolutely insane level of output. And also he, you know, it's like it's an oral history. The yes. book is like structured basically as an oral history. And until I mean, I I'll admit now at the top of the top of the show that I did not finish the book. But I mean, you, guests are yeah. not required. To. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> required to bring passion as far into the book as I got as far into volume volume one that I got. He's still like every time he brings up a new song he's written, he's still like, oh, I wrote this before I released my debut album. Yes. <laughs> like dude showed up on the first day of work with like 950 songs. Yes. Be, and and he's like, oh, yeah, like let's uh, let's record like five of these now. And then like later on, I'll I guess I'll do the rest of these. Yes. There was a midway through the book. There is a I cannot remember which songwriter it was, but she was talking about how like she'd recorded with him. She was really excited about the song and she was like, in Nashville, like the thing that they tell you as a singer song or as a songwriter is like, don't look out for your songs. Like, don't like, cause if you don't, be precious don't yeah, don't, well, that, not just don't be precious, but like, don't track them and like hope it comes out and keep oh, looking for yeah, it to come yeah, out. Yeah. Cause it's just going to break your heart. And, th- but she was like, I was really like kind of concerned with this song and it took three albums for it to come out. It's insane. And then it was like a number one hit. So. This is a totally different system, but I'll take any chance to break chance to bring them up because I know that Nashville is its own machine that operates on its totally own rules from anything else. But what first comes to mind for me is obviously Devo who by the time they started recording their first album had like the first three to four albums worth of material already written. They had been playing like six or seven years beforehand Mm -hmm. and on top of countless B sides and joke songs that they just discarded. They had like something like a hundred, 200 
finished songs ready to record when that's they the way the to do one. it because yeah. you, you can allow yourself to get like distracted by the trappings of success you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. like you don't have to be like pressured into going like oh i gotta go back into the stew and like record yeah. a whole new thing just like yeah. when we started this podcast we have like three out three episodes in the can and uh immediately blew yeah. through that headway and, <laughs> yeah. have, and are recording this the day before it goes out like, we, oh yeah we'll do this weekly we'll just release yeah. these now <laughs> yeah no we should have we should have recorded like a hundred episodes yeah we should have banked the first started. year before we even released yeah big <laughs> Big mistake, huge. No, yeah. So that's a that's a great life hack. Is write your sophomore album at the same time as your debut album, and then you yeah. don't have to worry about the sophomore slump because yeah. everything hopefully will be as good it's as good the first, first album. Yeah. Right. For Garth, yeah. it was record a double album, release it as two. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's just that's just economics. Um, little background about Garth. You kind of get snippets of this through the book. Um, he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. His mother was a country singer, signed to Capitol Records in the fifties. Um, his father worked for an oil company, which I feel like is a different deal. Country singer signed to Capitol in the fifties being like one of like uh, thousands of nameless singers from the Ozarks. Right. Like all cut one banjo song. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like a tiny studio in Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she got that deal, man. She, she got that paper. Um, Garth's first instrument was the banjo, actually. Oh, interesting. Um, but so he was interested in music. He was a banjo boy. He was a banjo boy. Um, but he was a student athlete. He went to Oklahoma State on oh, a track scholarship. Javelin Ooh. scholarship. Yeah. Javelin oh, scholarship. Yeah. yeah. That's like basically like murder training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Spear literally throne. Grey Worm from uh, Game yeah, of yeah. Thrones. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's the first Game of Thrones reference I wonder when the last there. time Strike he's it. thrown a javelin was. Could be a great part of the live show. Yeah, that yeah. He's known for, <laughs> you know. Launches a javelin through the jumbotron yeah. of a stadium. <laughs> Drama. Intrigue. They're actually, this is a country music digression, first of many, but uh, Tim McGraw, another noted country music mega superstar, mm-hmm. I heard that name. who is also married, like Garth, to a noted country music mega superstar. Yep. Tim McGraw is famous for interrupting his own concerts to fight men in the crowd, like in the front of the crowd, um, who are like being rude to women. He's a, ah. he's a woman respecter. Oh my he's god! A, he's, a, he's a man. Is this man bothering you? Yes, guy? exactly. Wow. But he does it uh, in front of like sixty thousand people at a football stadium in Florida. I wonder if there's a subculture of country guys who are into humiliation and go to Tim McGraw concerts and to get uh, pick on, pick yeah. on women in the front row in hopes that, uh, yeah, that, that Tim oh, McGraw yeah. will dom them, That's humiliate hot. them. That'd be, hey, you know, however you, you know, however yeah. you get your kicks. Uh, like a, Tim not going to shame anybody on yeah, the yeah. pod. Sure, sure. Tim McGraw needs to do a, a girls to the front type of uh, <laughs> Yeah, experience. exactly. Yeah, maybe he'll finally get a mention on Pitchfork. <laughs> it's never too late to adopt Riot Girl as yes. a, strat- a marketing strategy. Um um, that that's insane. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, well, Garth should do it with a javelin. That's yeah. where I was going. Yeah, yeah he really should get, get the spear guys. Get the rude people in the background. <laughs> um. Yeah. He's yeah. Javelin boy in college. He got a degree in advertising. Um. He said that well, basically because his father be, was like, you need to get a college degree. He should be relying on his college degree to deal with the rollout of these uh, media yeah, properties. That seriously, he's yeah. Wow. The University of Oklahoma at Stillwater did not teach people how to properly <laughs> release books. <laughs> He did. He did say that advertising is like songwriting in that. Uh, how much can you say in the shortest amount of time? Sure. Very well, Don yeah. Draper yeah. yeah. of him. Seriously. Um, but then he graduated, and he uh, basically just threw himself into uh, a career as a singer songwriter. He tried to move to Nashville. Uh, he came home with it. He like 
He had his friends like credit cards, a bunch of money. The entire town sent him off. And then he came back 24 <laughs> hours later. Like That sucks. Yeah, that was a really kind of like confusing and sad part of the book. I was like, it's like the first five pages. He's like, the first time I moved to Nashville is me and my friends and our wives living in one house. Immediately, we moved home. I was like, is this what's going <laughs> what on here? Like, this is you guys is like, what? You get into a fight or yeah. something? Like, yeah. Did you not? Did they not teach you how to budget in college? Like, did you not? So I need the unknown story. Him, so. I like the whole town sending him off. Like it's a it's you like two hundred people. Ni- the nineteen hundreds, like, right? Young man go west. <laughs> yeah, <thing>. exactly. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep. Um, so the second time he moves to Nashville, uh, he stays. It sticks. Um, he he worked at a boot store called Cowtown Boots. Cowtown um, boots. His job application in Cowtown Boots is scanned and shown in the book Included itself. Included in the book, yeah. You the, can... the, as, Mo- as I was looking over Molly's shoulder as she was reading it, this is the first thing that I saw in this book. And I have to say I am truly shocked that his d- job application for his first job in Nashville is preserved in this book. What are you doing, dude? That is psychotic. He he's known he needed it. Yeah, I think we should. I'm going to try to find it because not only is the job application included, but you can see what his previous work experience is. <laughs> yes. And it's like, I hope that nobody ever puts my previous like what the stuff I listed, the absolute oh, bullshit yeah. I listed as my previous work experience yeah. on my first job application. Garth Brooks's stuff is like. Uh, the manager for the high school football team. Yeah. And like, and like, I've never applied to work at a boot store, but that does not <laughs> seem like how you get into the managerial position. Uh, that might be less embarrassing than me going to every video store in Manhattan the summer that I, m- I moved here in 2009 and oh, trying no. to apply for clerk jobs, listing no. my university film degree as my, as a, <laughs> that's as a so indie of in. you. I didn't realize you were like Kim's video and stuff. Oh yeah. Did that Literally exist? every operational video store. I, I that saw was I Ju- tried to apply for that was Julian Casablanca's did that, right? Yeah. One of those strokes I think worked I there. In that episode. Oh man. Uh, I didn't realize that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I really wanted to work at a, I wanted to clerk. clerk I just feel like your experience wouldn't matter at all. And they would just see like, do you look cool? One of them. Do you look like you've seen a movie? One of them actually gave me a written quiz to fill out about movie trivia. That was insanely hard. Well, oh, I imagine. I, I'm yeah. sure it's like a whole thing to like discourage people from actually. Yeah, yeah. But like, the cool thing to do would just be to rip it up and be like, I don't need this shit. Yeah, and yeah. then make it rain confetti. The, the yeah. cannon. No yes, way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Garth Brooks is prior work experiences, OSU Alumni Association, a pizza <laughs> shop, and then just a scribble that says C scribble worker. And then his position was laborer. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Garth Brooks is a worker. Yeah. Solidarity. I mean, it seems like good enough experience to work at a boot barn. Yeah. Also on this application, um, it lists Garth Brooks's first real name, which, which is, is Troyal. Troyal, which not, he his father's real, name is Troyal. He's Troyal Junior, and his father's father's name is Troyal. Oh, Troyal. He's technically a Troyal the third. Because that's not a name. Chris was kind of like joshing earlier, being like, "Oh, what do you think Garth Brooks's real name is?" And I was like, "I'm pretty sure it's Garth Brooks." And then I looked on Wikipedia, and I was like, "Oh, fuck, it's Troyal." <laughs> well, I, I was saying actually that Garth Brooks is a name that sounds like a stage name. But only because I know who Garth Brooks, Brooks is. is. Right. Like if you met a Garth Brooks in the wild and you didn't know what Garth Brooks is, that'd be like ah normal, ah normal, yeah. boot normal maybe like country, yeah. Boot that's like a boot, boot salesman's salesman. name, yeah. but it also sounds like you know his original name was like uh, Reginald Smothersburg, and yeah. he's like I'm moving to to Nashville. I need a, a good Nashville name, Garth Brooks. That's like how Graham Parsons' real name is like 
He's got like the most Connecticut first name or oh, real, no. like real name in the world. Like a real yeah. lacrosse. Oh ass my name. god, it's yeah, yeah. insane. We should I, actually we should look that up. Yeah, we look up Parsons. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's oh, like Oh, Ingram Cecil Connor the third. Yeah. Are you Holy kidding? Shit. He sounds like a judge from eighteen forty. <laughs> yeah. And like and out of nowhere he was like, Yeah, uh, Graham, Graham Parsons. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what Garth Brooks sounds like to me, but it's his real name. Yeah. yeah. Salt salt of the earth, two syllables. It's good shit. Um, okay, so yes, he he's working at the boot store, but he's also on his his songwriting grind um, in what sounds like kind of traditional Nashville status. He has a landlord who introduces him to a, a member of ASCAP uh, <laughs> named Bob Doyle because it's, it's the it's the landlord to mu- the music, music union, publishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tunnel. I I don't know. I bet everyone is two degrees away from someone like that in Dude, Nashville. You just it's know just that who that you know. Landlord was going to every fucking tenant to collect rent every right. month, being like, "Oh, you're a singer. I got this friend who works over in." One door down, not getting yeah. out. Ah, see, you got a guitar there. I'm, I got this friend who's, uh, you know. I imagine like his the landlord's friend at ASCAP was like, I can't believe this dude keeps sending me these people. Like everybody who moves into his studio apartment, yeah. he just brings them to me. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. what a drag. Apparently when um, and one of the songwriters later in the book, he says, when someone slides you the tape of their song, that's called the Nashville handshake. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. so a lot of Nashville handshaking going on yeah. around Garth's parts. Um, but Bob Doyle was a fan. He basically shopped Garth's demo around Every label passed, but he managed to Garth like slid into a, a primo slot at a songwriter showcase. There's an executive from Capitol there, his mom's record label. He's like, so the songwriter showcases are like a Nashville thing. Yeah, yes. it's like a big that's like a big deal. I think part of the like songwriting infrastructure is that you get like these co-writing teams mm-hmm. and then one of them or all of them or some of them maybe go out and perform at these songwriter showcases and then like leaning literally like leaning up against the bar in the back are either big artists or dudes who are trying to make it big. Yeah. Yeah. And they hear a song they like, and then they go up and they're like, yo, I want to record your song. Like I'll change your life. Yeah. I mean, I, all these, all the American entertainment industries always have these really informal structures. I mean, it reminds me a lot of like, you know, the, the kind of comedy and, and writing scene and that you would think mm-hmm. of in, right. in LA or whatever, uh, the people just like kind of informally putting things on or like going to showcases or doing workshops and stuff like that. And hoping that somebody in the room is somebody who has the keys to some kind of door. Right. Yeah. Like everybody just kind of waiting around or like creating the infrastructure for them to get discovered at some point. Yeah. And I think in Nashville, like bar owners probably love that because it's just like constantly people just being like, yeah, me and nine friends are going to come here and we're going to demand that all of our friends come here. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It's also so, I think one of the reasons it's so contrasty with the Lil Nas X success is that, it, it's so IRL, like everything is all like actually in person, handshakey and hearing people perform and seeing like the physical beings of people as opposed to like Lil Nas X was a tweet decker in his past right, life. Yeah. So he's used to kind of hacking virality. Oh, yeah. And this is no like I think his success is no exception. And it's just so funny. Like, you know, 30 years ago, it was just Garth Brooks just sweating on stage, yeah. hoping someone would be like, you seem good. Right. Yeah. That. That weird second verse that you sang, I think me and a friend could turn that into a hit of part of another hit. Or yeah, right. sure. It's like, what? Right. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot about the like social dynamics of Nashville, the Nashville songwriting right. scene through this book. The other big weird, or I mean, I, I think one thing this book really drove home is like how absolutely different 
the music industry is. I mean, mostly in terms of sales, right? Because like yeah. Garth is hyping the hell out of like every single platinum certification he received. Oh yeah, particularly <laughs> in this book, and that's like a huge. I mean, that's obviously like let's not diminish the man's success, but the sure. another big part of this book is like he's constantly talking about going to meetings. Yes, and going, he's like, I was at the Capitol Records building, and my friend Mike was down the hall, so we went in and wrote a song together. And it's like, what? Like, is that is that like a Slack channel? <laughs> like, What's the which Capitol Records building is? That? We're gonna book you a conference room C from uh, three to four thirty, yeah, exactly. and uh, hopefully we'll get another number one out of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but- one thing we'll have to do eventually on this pod is like maybe get a real, real ratings and certifications head in to just explain what these things mean and how they change because a lot of people we do we we like to you know talk about their numbers in previous decades yeah, yeah. Like, try to grok just them. how big they were but also none of those numbers make any sense compared to like anything that's happened in yeah. the next decade it's absolutely opaque now and and I like you try to go back. Well, first off, the not to call anybody out here, but the RIAA website is absolute bullshit. It's yeah. like the most confusing thing I've ever visited in the world. It takes like a million years to load. Yeah, oh, so no. it feels like they're just they're just shuffling numbers around like a three card monster yeah. game now to like try to maintain some sense of legitimacy and control over right. things. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean I think obviously we can all admit that like numbers are kind of a scam. Yeah. Yes, but. Um, I mean, at least they got to try harder to make us not believe that. At least until like 1999, you could you could assume that when they reported like numbers of CDs sold that like somewhere in that realm of numbers of CDs were actually sold. Right. And then then you get like if you you can read up. Yeah, we it would be actually really cool not to give you guys an assignment, but to have somebody come in and explain like how the hell any of that stuff happened. All right, we'll yes. do that. We'll do that some, at some point. Because yes. it used, there, there's like a whole thing with like, there was a Bee Gees movie based on Sgt. Pepper's. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with and this. It, so there was a thing where that album shipped like 14 million copies week one or some like insane, absolutely, like more than, you know, every American got three copies of it or something. <laughs> but then... But then throwing them away like AOL. CDs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then the then the um, returns were like so high, so it had gotten some sort of platinum certification, mm-hmm. but then had to have it revoked. And then they changed the rules that like you can't do it. You don't get the certification until thirty days after, so record stores could return stuff that was unsold. Oh, there was, I like, see. I see. Even even with physical CD sales being the only thing that counted, there were still obviously like you know promoters and and record labels like kind of fucksing with the numbers. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, and that's like a big, I mean, that's mentioned very briefly in the book. Yeah. But in 1991, SoundScan happened. Yes. And they finally like connected um, like barcode scans to actual record sales. And right. before that, I think it was just like the dude at the record store. Like putting a tally on a sheet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like reading off like a, like a hand tally in like the, store's notebook yeah. being like oh we sold like nine metallicas today sure and the day before that it was like four copies of the you know whatever soundtrack yeah and then they started you know sound scan or whatever it's like two weird data dudes went in and like i don't know set up a system i don't know how any of that works but they like set up a system and then they started getting like actual record sales mm-hmm. and garth talks about it but it's like a big thing or he talks about it in the book being a big thing because he finally started getting recognized for his like all these sales that he was being undercounted on before. Yeah. And all of his albums shot to the top of the Billboard 200. Yeah. And that was the same. So I like looked at that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. 
So I looked that up and it was the same thing happened to Nirvana uh-huh. and Metallica and all these big bands. That they really broke when the that they Yeah, happened. it's like SoundScan out of nowhere, like kind of got these indie bands or more independent bands that didn't have the same level of promotion mm-hmm. at the time. It got them, like it registered their popularity properly and then popularity bred popularity. And that's yeah. really when the that's wave interesting kind of It built. became a PR story. Yeah. But- uh, that's interesting because I'm I wondering how much that includes the purposeful and unpurposeful bias of when people needed to hound hand count things of yeah. like owners reporting the stuff that they liked versus the stuff that was actually selling. You know? Yeah. Sure. No. When I read that, I was like, "What do you mean? Like the like I have this stereotype of record store dudes in my head mm-hmm. as yeah. them being the type of people who would wildly over report." nirvana sales yeah Yeah. like not underreport it but it turns out that they were doing that like it's like what like everything is completely backwards yeah and i think that's just because like growing up like i had not i was not cognizant of the world when nirvana was not a popular record yeah and i think that we have the image of the record store guy of like of starting with the kind of gen x image of an indie record store to guy and not like the seals clerk. Right. Yeah, exactly. Who's really into Glenn Clark or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy, no, I think Andy it's Gibb. like Lucas from Empire Records, not like a guy yeah. who grew up selling like sheet music on yeah, exactly. like 42nd <laughs> Street or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember when he called that out, the sound scan stuff, and was like, I'm, I'm popular and it's legitimate. Yeah. Show me the numbers. Show me the right, numbers, exactly. baby. Show me the numbers. Um, so yeah, he, Garth was at this songwriter showcase and Capitol Records guy saw him, asked Bob Doyle, like, where did we leave the deal? And Bob could have told them that, like, you guys passed on us. But instead, he said, you guys said you'd get back to us. <laughs> and so he awesome. kind of, like, reopened the door. And Capitol was like, I don't know. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, did, where did we leave? <laughs> where did we leave? <laughs> the first rule of business is just ask the question back to them. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so so he also, got signed. Yeah, if, it, if an agent, manager, producer... Ask you where'd we leave the deal? Uh, always be like, oh, you said yes. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. why? Why if you're gonna lie? Why would you lie like halfway? Yeah, just be like, oh, you said you would tell me right now. Yeah. <laughs> you said that we were getting uh, breakfast on Monday and yeah. we would sign the contracts. Yeah, at a really nice hotel. Um, so he's he records his first album, but also like kind of his second and his third. Like he's just recording a bunch of shit. This is where he's talking about. He's obviously he's I also a songwriter. Kind of get yeah. the idea that for this kind of natural songwriting and Garth is clearly very keyed into it and what they want and what they expect. You kind of like you do your songwriting, you go in with the outline and the structure and the, the lyrics and the chords and everything. Mm. And you go into a room of veteran session guys who all just look at it for two minutes and be like, Oh yeah, I know what the song is and just lay it immediately lay it down in, in like an hour. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, and then I'll do a fiddle bit here. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what the song is. Right, yeah. yeah, like from the time it's on paper to the time it's on whatever acetate or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. bullshit there it's was like in the 40 90s. minutes. Yeah, tops. exactly. Yeah. Like, people are like clocking out and going yeah. home. They're not like staying up all night and like, yeah. really thinking about those licks. <laughs> it's not like, you're not like going starting from zero with a band. Ever, literally everyone around you is a decade season professional. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's also like, it's funny. He's, so he says that his practice during recording is to after they like lay down the track, uh, hold the door open for all the session musicians as they walk into the control room to hear the playback. Mm -hmm. So you can hear kind of like what they're saying or grumbling about or talking to each other. And he said one, one guitarist for his, the debut, he's like, I haven't played some of these licks since the (laughs) sixties. So there you go. But it is also like, I don't know, just thinking about 
the kind of deep, deep traditions that they're working with there, that it's not like, Garth is not a band leader. Mm-hmm. Garth is a singer songwriter. Right. So he's not going in the, the booth being like, you played that wrong. Right. Yeah. Like everyone is kind of fitting into these parts or like at one point he's talking about the different flavors of um, uh, country music of like regional and being like, well, this swings this way and this has more horns and that like San Antonio versus Houston versus whatever. Right. He's sure. like, you got to play the, you got to play like the finger roll banjo licks like yeah. this way and stuff like that. Like everybody to a certain degree is still pulling from like the same weird catalog of references yeah. right? and then just like putting them all. It's like, it's like, it's not quite sampling, but it's like at least people are speaking the same weird language yeah, from yeah, yeah. having listened to the same stuff growing up. Yeah, you, you can like go down and pull like pull up menus over each part. Right. And be like, well, do you, yeah, we'll do a San Antonio style horn section <laughs> over uh, kind of a, a uh, Ozark banjo riff here, and then we'll get a real Nashville guitar solo in the bridge. And yeah, 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 it's it, like Lego. Songs, yeah, yeah, basically. and this not like unlike a lot of books that we've done for the pod that are like get really deep into like studio specifics of like how, you know, the microphone set up for recording or whatever, getting your specific guitar sound from this amp that you like stole from this guy. Uh, this is all like he, his craft in this is mostly words. Like it's mostly oh, lyric yeah. writing, yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's fascinating to hear about the way he writes these songs. Like he'll just say that he'll go on a walk with a guy yeah. <laughs> and they'll just like walk and sing. I'm like, that sounds incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. Like you just, you're walking with this guy and you're just like singing. Yeah. And the what? Whole, whole thing about like not writing it down on some like kind of proto Jay-Z level yeah. stuff. <laughs> yes. just, and he's like, if I can't remember it, it's not worth, it's not worth singing or yeah. whatever. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You get into that. But I don't run my shit because I ain't got fucking time for it. <laughs> yeah, but- was actually, yeah, it was actually Garth who said that first. Yeah. <laughs> um, the I mean, the book is like really pure myth making, yes. like in a lot of ways. Like it's very obvious, like what his intentions are here. Yeah. But it is surprisingly like not romantic about so much stuff. Yep. Like you said, obviously, there's a lot of or there's like a kind of a notable lack of like any sort of recording detail or like what it's like and then the songwriting stuff like he talks about like you know oh yeah like I would go out and uh, take a take a walk with this older guy who had written all these songs that I really liked and that sort of stuff but he like books an appointment with that guy yeah like it's like the songwriting it's not like or I think like with a lot of rock musicians whether it's true or not there's like a kind of um there's like a hagiography am I pronouncing that right sure a hagiography where they like they do it uh, they kind of set it up themselves where they end up like talking about how like, Oh, like I was in the back of the van, we were leaving Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and like, I was just thinking about this girl. Yeah. And like, that's like all of Garth Brooks songwriting details are like, uh, I had my manager schedule a session with Mike because I knew that he could help me bridge the verse into the chorus. (laughs) And then he brought in his wife, Tracy, who'd written a song for George Jones in 1942. (laughs) It was a perfect combination of people. And in the end, we wrote a hit. Yes. There's like, like, he's like, absolutely. He's like, he's like, I got a word magnet fridge poem. And, uh, you know, it's like, there's no, there's very little, like, I, I thought about how my dad hated me. It's like the opposite of Bruce Springsteen. Right. Yes. Yes. No, I, and just like our last episode, the KLF, Mm -hmm. very, very, very different style. But I do in both these cases, appreciate that very surgical approach to songwriting of being of being like no this is a thing you can crack yeah and there is a system to this and mm-hmm. you, all you have to do is break it open and junk it down into parts and then figure out how to do each of those individual parts perfectly yeah 
and then smash it all back and together. Yeah. It's the like Nashville system is now like seems really unique, but it's basically, did I say this already? It's like the Brill building stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, it's like there are people who are professional songwriters from nine to five. Yeah. And they like sit mm-hmm. at a desk and like submit stuff to a manager who tells them if it's good work or bad work. Yes. Right. And, and like in, in this kind of weird Nashville system that this book kind of pulls back, not the curtain on, but like talks about quite a bit. Yeah. That's like really exposed as like, oh yeah, like they wanted a dude who could write a song this way. So they hired him and gave him a cut of the royalties. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I I also appreciate to a certain extent uh, how that's not real. It's not like looked down on or seen as dirty. Mm. It's just a different way of creating things. Yeah. There is, I mean, we could in, this in their world, the way of creating, right. yeah, the best way. <laughs> there is like, there is a kind of historical and intense divide in a lot of country music between like the Nashville sound and then the kind of more traditional, like the kind of more traditionally influenced stuff. Like mm-hmm. that was like Willie Nelson's big thing, kind of mm. like that outlaw country, go to Lukenbach, Texas, sort of stuff, like getting away from the corrupting influence of Nashville <laughs> and. Garth gets like, I mean, his reputation is as the person who like completely destroyed country music mm-hmm. and like turned it into what it is today, like pop yeah. kind of Nashville top 40. Right. And it's interesting as somebody who like definitely knows that that's his reputation to like write, to, to set himself up to write five books in whatever order he chooses <laughs> and to like not like push against that at all. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not working against his kind of reputation as like a dude with an advertising degree who like knew <laughs> that if he put out a country album that like had a good stage show, he would become a billionaire. Like, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And he says too, like in one of his little asides that he was a, a queen fan, big Billy Joel fan. Like yeah. he likes rock, ma- like male rock songs yeah. and brings that energy into it. There's a there's a weird amount in like Garth Brooks mythology about how he was influenced by Kiss. Yes. And yes. He he actually is, is that what you were gonna bring up as I was. No. I was before the we were started recording, I was like, Chris, guess who Garth Brooks likes? And I was like, I'm not gonna tell you, I'm gonna wait for the podcast. <laughs> oh, damn, um, okay, Kiss, sorry, Kiss is a big like yeah. Kiss has influenced everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it is I Kiss is mind melting in its own way in that I mean, Kiss is like the pro wrestling of, of rock music. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll eventually do a Kiss episode. I've, I've been playing this for a while, threatening it for even longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that that the people who get it like it not only for its face value, not only for the songs and for the the pompacity of the face makeup, but they, the people who really like it also know that it's a show. Yeah. You, obviously. And know, like, appreciate the artificiality so much and yeah. know that you can just, like, Oh, you can just go be another person on right, stage. Right. In like the biggest, stupidest way possible. And it 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 still is your thing. Like you know, just in the the way that Velvet Underground, as we were talking before, mm-hmm. uh influenced uh all the stoniest losers of the twentieth century to embrace their inner stoniest right, stony yeah. loser. Yeah. To make something quote unquote authentic. It also <laughs> kiss influenced everybody who's like, oh, maybe I could just like Yo, turn be, up the theatrics. Yeah, be yeah. a dragon on stage yeah, and it'll exactly. be cool. Yeah. 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 That's my my favorite kiss influenced artist is like Niall Rogers and Sheik. Yeah. Being oh, yeah. like, yeah, they he was like, he saw what they were doing, and like, oh, I can be like someone I don't need to put on makeup, but like I can be someone slightly different yeah, yeah. Like, for the purpose of boots. stage. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, when I saw or that I Garth be, was a kiss guy, I was like, oh, this makes a lot of yeah. sense. Or like for Niall, Niall being like, I can be two beautiful women. And yeah. That's my- <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I can be a tattoo that a kiss fan would get on their back. Mm. <laughs> um, I think the other wild thing. So I've never seen Garth Brooks in concert, uh-huh. which mm-hmm. is um, he's on a stadium tour right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, I, I think about this often, actually. <laughs> Because when I was a kid, I asked my parents to take me to uh, the famous Garth Brooks Central Park show, Mm. attendance record breaking Central Park show. Right. And I think it was in, I believe the year was 1997. I was a wee lad. Oh my God. Um, I, at that point, had never been to a concert in my life. Aw. And I was like, yo, you got to take me to this. And they were like, okay. Like, my parents are cool. They were into that. Yeah. And then, a couple of days before they were like, Oh no, actually like, we're not going to do it. Oh, hmm. and I was like, oh damn. Like I hate you. I'm not going to talk to you for a week now. Yeah. And then we got HBO uh-huh. just, I think for the month, like on the one month subscription sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just so we could watch it. Oh man. And you're yeah. like, I'm like 15 miles away. This fucking yeah, sucks. Exactly. I got to open the window and hurt it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yet I'm not, I'm not quite old enough to, you know, sneak out on my own and go, go do the Woodstock thing. And oh go yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Like I would have needed. Like, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Snacks. How many people went to that concert? It was like a 980,000. I didn't know that many people could fit in Central Park. That's like more people than vote. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, like, I mean, honestly, the think, think of Aussie Fest. Yeah. How many people was that? I don't know, 20,000. 10,000 people. Uh, the aerial photos from this Garth Brooks concert are insane. And that actually might be the teaser teaser art for this episode. Yeah. It's like, it's the entire, what's it, what's it called? The North Meadow? Or yeah, the, the North Meadow. Meadow. It's just like completely covered in people. That's it's fucking it's, crazy. It's an aerial photo of Central Park that you might normally see, except every area that is not trees right. is people watching. It's covered in people. Yeah. Yeah. That's and insane. That's like new, that's like New York, you know, not yeah. exactly like a country music kind of town. Right. But Hey, we're watching Goth Brooks here. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> so that was like a foundational kind of like, um, antagonistic moment between my parents and I. Um, but so I never saw him live. Yeah. You know, I could, I guess I could go now, but, the like stage show is such a huge part of his mythology mm-hmm. because it used to be like country dudes like had their, you know, they like wore boots and a hat and they stood on stage and they like sang their songs and it was like they played acoustic yeah. guitar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it was, it was Nailed cool to one, one mic. Generally. Yeah. And Garth's whole thing was like, I think I've, I mean, obviously he talks about being influenced by kiss or whatever, but he puts on the, um, the ear mounted mic, the headset mic, yeah, yeah. the Britney Spears mic or whatever. Yeah. And he just like goes wild. And he's like running all over stage and stuff like that. Kind of like in a, in a um, Bruce Springsteen sort of way where he's mm-hmm. like sliding on his knees and, you know, across the, across the stage and stuff like that. And I think a big part of like the reason he could tour so successfully was because for the first time, people who weren't into country music were into the huge theatrics of like yeah. a massive stadium country <laughs> mm-hmm. music show. Well, it's also interesting that, Again, country music is so rigid in its format, usually, that the idea that you were a guy who would walk away from the mic during your from right. a standard position uh, as 
as a country music singer was like revolutionary. Right. Yeah. 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 It doesn't take much to, I mean, I always think about how like all Casey Musgrave, not all she needed to do. She's got great songs and she's gorgeous, but like all she needed to do is like drop a little acid and she's like the rebellious country girl. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like exactly. you could, it still doesn't take much to like differentiate yourself from the field. Yeah. Um, just because like the, the core is so conservative. So any, yeah, any rock star behavior is like, Oh, what are yeah. they doing? It is, the like whole thing about country music is how it defines itself like very much as a genre that doesn't change. Mm-hmm, right. um, so like even the tiniest little changes to the kind yeah. of traditional structure of how I mean, everything it, is done. I think it definitely has the strictest set of conventions yeah. uh, of yeah. current definable popular music genres. Yeah. So like a, a, a being able to flip out of them like a solar flare ripping out of the, the sun, you know, is, is a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. Like a big thing with like Garth, my boy, Troy, <laughs> Troy Al, Troy Al, is that, you know, people talk about him bringing in the influence of rock music and how it completely changed country music. You know, some people say for better and some people say for worse or whatever. And imagine like another genre where the best selling megastar of that genre like change things obviously Mm -hmm. in in the long term. And then people were like, Oh, I can't believe they ruined that genre. Yeah. It's very, you know, like pop music when people introduce new elements into pop music, nobody's ever like, Oh, I can't believe they did that. Like pop music was sacrosanct. (laughs) Yeah. So crazy. Right. Yeah. And like, you cannot ruin pop music. Yeah. Yeah. Pop music is always kind of ruined. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or like started out as a kind of weird smash up. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Of of the bassist in, cultural instincts right. of the largest amount of people. Yeah. All right. So maybe let's listen. I'm trying to look at what I actually managed to give you. You want to pull up that if tomorrow never comes. Yeah, I got that. So this is his first number one country country chart. Number one um, off his first album. Sometimes late at night. I lie awake and watch her sleep. I do love his, the like yodeling cowboy quality mm-hmm. of his yeah, it's voice. Great. She's lost in peaceful dreams, so I turn out the lights and lay there in the dark. Kind of creepy imagery. Yeah. <laughs> and the thought crosses my mind. No, he does that good, that if good country thing of putting like three different emotions in, in each morning. word. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a syllable? Yeah. Would she ever doubt the way I feel about her in my heart? Um, also, the comments on this YouTube video are just devastating. Because this, <laughs> this song is about if your loved one dies. Right. Like, so everyone in, these, in this comment section is like memorializing their loved ones. Oh, God. Oh God. He's, he hits people where it hurts. Yeah, he does. No, from, there, the very, from the drop. There's like a, a song called The Dance. You guys yes. Know? Okay, so yeah. maybe we can get to that later. But there's like a whole thing about that song becoming like a, it feels like weird to call it this, but a funeral anthem mm-hmm. um, in the way that like maybe like Hallelujah also kind of has yeah. become, you yeah. know? It's like a song that's, ambiguously emotional enough to kind of work at you know like at any sort of funeral or yeah. like a sad graduation I don't <laughs> yeah. really know another sad thing yeah. thank god yeah. That's like, it's like a, it sounds like a reverse wedding song we were yeah. talking about like the specific quality of wedding like mm-hmm. first dance songs of like it's always gotta be about forever it's mm-hmm. always gotta be about like there can't be any kind of hint of negative emotions like cause you're playing it for all these right. people so yeah I imagine this is like 
the photo negative of that. He's definitely really pushing those. Like, Reveal your feelings for them now. Yeah. The, this, is, this is the the pit bull, you know, got to do it tonight because we might not get tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Country yeah. version of that. It, it'd be interesting, I think, if I, you know, if um, some sort of graduate school wanted to give me like a million dollars to study this, <laughs> to, to go back and trace the evolution of how hard Garth plays up his accent, mm. like Ooh, at various points in his career. Yeah. There's there's some uh, Taylor Swift accent truthers that yeah. also have uh, similar yeah. interest in this. Yeah. He's got that great Southern Pennsylvania accent. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like her and Bam Margera really yeah, have yeah. that kind of, <laughs> kind of Westchester PA yeah, accent. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, um, yeah. Do you want to you want to pull up the dance? I think I gave you a live version. It's maybe gonna, let me see if I can find it. Yep, here we go. And I think this is his second number one, almost dropped from the album. Again, but the producer, the uh, the audio quality here. Yeah, this is I a mean, live performance. <laughs> Looking back, all the memories. It's yeah. This sounds like it could accompany a slideshow of images. Okay. Do you know about? I guess the music. Damn. You know, none of the Garth Brooks music videos are online. But I just had to look this up because I was trying to remember if this was actually the music video. Yeah. But it is a slideshow of images. Great. I mean, I say this like joking about a trope, but it's very possible that he could have like started it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He's an innovator in many ways, including the like copyright avoiding YouTube slideshow music yeah. videos. Oh my god. But it features a obviously features uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Great, great. Uh, the crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger. <laughs> oh no. Rest in peace for real. Oh. John F. Kennedy. Yep, yep. Okay, John Wayne. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> not exactly. Yeah, not happened? exactly. John. John Wayne. Not exactly a man who like died for a dream or anything. No. He's like no. a guy who died. Like oh, badass. And then yeah. wildly successful throughout his career, yeah, exactly. doing everything he wanted to. Right. Uh, Keith Whitley, who's like a country music singer who who died okay. probably of um, I think so the, alcoholism. So he designed yeah. this song to be an in memoriam. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's mm. like it's like this second third of the Oscar break yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then a professional bull rider. Which, sure. like, is a great kind of, like, start to talk about Garth's insane obsession with rodeo. Mm. All right. We can get into that. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I also do, and I maybe we'll put a pin in this. We got to talk about Garth's style. Garth, we do, Garth because drip. his Garth's drip in the early 90s was fucking phenomenal. That's... He's got some... It's like Normcore before Normcore was a thing. It's he, crazy. He's yeah. got this, like, the sweats, the tracksuits, mm-hmm. the, like, kind of crew neck sweatshirts that I... But also then, like, the sort of western wear right. aspect. Yeah. His casual style is like if uh, Jerry Seinfeld like happened to live in Kansas City. <laughs> you know? That's a great yeah. that's a great summary of it. It's like yeah. norm core shit but with a sports logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This clip that I'm watching of him right now, he's dressed like uh, the manager of every Kinko's in a white suburb mm-hmm. cool. uh, that I've ever seen. Like the broad striped blue and white Oxford shirt with khaki pants, but then the big fucking cowboy hat. Yeah. Always, sell the always. Dude always wore a hat. Don't yeah. think half because he was a it. little ashamed of being a bit bald. Yeah, mm. yeah. Always constantly wearing a hat. 
And then his stage outfits and the album cover outfits are crazy. It's yes. like chess boards on acid turned into a t-shirt or sorry, a button down shirt <laughs> yeah. and like jeans that are way too tight. Like I don't mean to be like rude to him, but he is not a physically fit guy. <laughs> he, he is the, uh, of the people we've covered, the person who is the doughiest in relationship to their fame and success. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. He's not, he's not like, he's not, he's not got the CrossFit bod. Yeah. But he's a, he's just a very normal looking guy. Like there were a couple of times when I was reading this book and I was looking at group photos and like, I didn't, it took a while for my eye to settle on Garth Brooks, which is not something that happens when you look at like Beyonce. Not that I've ever seen Beyonce in a group photo larger than three right. people. <laughs> and the other two people were either Destiny's Child or like her husband and her daughter. Um, but like, He's just kind of like this, no, like he's just very normal looking. Yeah. Maybe he's we'll having, we'll his face a, is having a normal one. Maybe we'll post, post a photo of this, but uh, Molly was showing me several group photos that uh, Garth was in that she said accurately looked like a photo from a movie where Garth Brooks was playing every character yeah. a la uh, the Nutty Professor or the, <laughs> yeah. the Clumps. Basically. There was like just different, slightly different like facial hair or sideburns. Yeah, yeah. It was but... like Garth Brooks's one man show the costumes from it. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the thing about the dance, his producer, uh, told Garth, cause I guess there was question about whether they were going to even leave it on the album. He said, go drive through the country and see how many satellite dishes are out in the yards. As you drive, the people out there are well connected. They are hearing all kinds of music. And this is a song for everybody, I guess, cause they were worried about it not being country enough. Yeah. Which is, a, uh, that sounded pretty country to me. Yeah. Which is like a crazy thing to think. Like, yeah. Listen to that song. Yeah. yeah. And also like, we all know the classic satellite dish test, <laughs> which is whenever you see a satellite dish, you're just like, that person seems hyper-connected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are, person's listening to they everything. They are tuned in. Yeah, no, that person with a satellite dish in a suburb outside of Nashville, they're definitely listening to like Bangra music or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're dabblers. Yeah, you, you see exactly. a dish, that's a that's a dabbling man. That is the most, that, yeah, that song, if I was to walk into a dive bar in any place south of Nashville, this is what I would imagine being on the stage. On Honestly, this. probably yeah, like because of Bar yeah, Brooks. That's like the the closing time of mm. yeah, yeah. like below the Mason Dixon line sure. basically <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Although like, I do need to remind everyone that the Mason Dixon line is the northern boundary of Maryland. It's uh, a lot higher than people the, mu think the muffin is. biscuit line. Yeah the muffin biscuit the muffin line. biscuit line. Yeah. Nineteen ninety, no fences, <laughs> second album, recorded basically at the same time as the first album. Um, the biggest songs from that are the Thunder Rolls, which is what I referenced before. I didn't know when I was listening to that in like the mid aughts, I didn't know that wasn't a new song. Um, oh, I yeah. thought like, I just thought that was like something that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Yes. And wasn't actually, aware it was from 1990. Cause the, this does have a weird timeless quality because yes. everything, a lot of stuff that has come out since kind of sounds like it. Exactly. Like two it. things. I'm about to play a clip of the Thunder Rolls, uh, but because of of Garth Brooks' is, is iron fist mm. over his own country, uh, his own music, this is a clip from Good Morning America from recent enough that it is 16 by 9 formatted. So this is sometime after like 2006. Yeah, this is like a like a Garth Brooks like revival. revival. Uh, then the other thing is... Because he took some time off. Yeah, yeah. The other thing <laughs> is, is that... <laughs> Eventually. To Molly's point, the one Garth Brooks song that I knew well enough to reference friends in low places. Yeah. I assume that that was like an American songbook song that, that I just, oh, like, yes, like, same. Yeah, like I would figure that was from something. the eighties yeah. or something. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have no idea what year this is from. I'm going to assume sometime between 2007 and 2017. Okay. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, all... I mean, that is a testament to his quality of as a songwriter, but also the quality, yeah, but also that timelessness of natural sound is that it, it, all of these songs sound like they could have existed since 1953. Mm-hmm. Right, right. This song is about infidelity. <laughs> There's like, <laughs> there was a controversy when this song came out because people weren't sure if it was pro-domestic violence <laughs> or anti-domestic violence and Garth had to issue a statement being like no like it's anti-domestic anti. violence like hey guys just want to come down <laughs> come down on the right he side issued of this a YouTube apology. He, yeah, put a, exactly. he put a sticker on he, he repackaged and re-released the album with a sticker on it yeah. that said uh, domestic violence he it's not tweet- okay he tweeted his notes app yeah is Garth Brooks on Twitter he is oh. and he's constantly tweeting like bizarre um, like self-promotional like poorly executed stuff that a publicist is very obviously like telling him he has to do before 11 a.m. or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like a selfie of him like in the green room of a radio station. Garth, give him some BTS. Yes, Come on. exactly. Ugh. And he's like kind of sweaty and like wearing like four sweatshirts. <laughs> it's great. I yeah. did have to like because I don't know if it was just because this was our first country artist like I did Google uh, Garth Brooks Trump to see like what came up oh Ooh, just yeah. because like I don't know demographically damn I should have done that before um, I the, put myself as a lifelong Garth Brooks fan at the top of the episode I mean I, I think this stuff is messy regardless he was one of the many people who had to comment on whether he would play the inauguration oh because mm. like I feel like they asked literally everybody who might have seemed maybe <laughs> Trump adjacent right and he he was non-committal. Um, he didn't say like, oh, I'll definitely do this. He didn't say I won't do this for political reasons. Okay. But he was basically like, you know, the inauguration is coming at a time where I'm on tour. And if the I believe it was actually the Cincinnati market, if there's overwhelming demand for the show, we might have to schedule another show that would coincidentally happen during the inauguration. And that's what happened. So wow. Thank you, Cincinnati. I yeah. think that's the absolutely like uh snaking down the, the center of the partisan aisle way you could go about it is just being like, I'm sorry, I'm so huge that I have another 70,000 yeah. people to play <laughs> sorry, to. Sorry, dude, I am too popular to play your controversial show. Yeah. That's exactly. So he got, I mean, he got look, out I of that. I appreciate that. But yeah. he... I would say in general from reading this, like he's... He doesn't seem like a Trump guy in his ideals. Yeah. Yeah, I can... I would come... That he's not like really a self-aggrieved weirdo. Yeah. 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 I mean... He's you're not. Rich, he's you're not big. doing. You're predisposed to. Yeah, I was like, gonna say like I don't. I can't. It's tough to parse his like actual politics. Yeah, because he is like I. I mean, he dude he's has rich. like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's in his material yeah. interest to support. And Trump. actually, yeah. uh, it's all in, it's all invested in steel. So he cares a lot about tariffs. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I do. I I think that he. I mean, this is like a fantasy that I um, know I harbor, and mm. I'm just going to continue to harbor that a lot of my favorite country music artists are um, secretly like more progressive than they let on. Sure. Yeah. Um, and there is like a thing that comes way after the book. Mm-hmm. Or it'll probably be at, like volume four or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, where he released a song called we shall be free, which is that's like, in this. Yeah. Oh, it Near is. The okay. end. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 So that is like a pretty standard, like everybody's going to get along as soon as world peace happens yep. type of song. Yeah. And there's one line in it. I wish I could remember what it is, but it's like, 
um, when everybody can love who they want to love. Okay. Like we shall be free. And yeah, that's that's ninety two. That's ninety two. Like so, that's a big deal. Yeah. And they the like dude won a Glad award for it, <laughs> which is like the bar was so low <laughs> <laughs> that you just had to be like you had to like in one line of one verse of one song you had to be like, um yeah being gay is okay by me <laughs> yeah like so right you know and there there are like little blips on the radar of Garth's progressivism here yeah. and there. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I, I doubt that he's like, uh, I mean, he's, de- you know, Garth isn't playing like any abolished okay. ice fundraisers. Yeah. I can't, right. <laughs> I can't, I can't not a DSA member right now, but there is a, um, a New York article from 2014 mm-hmm. entitled Garth Brooks country music square liberal dad, <laughs> which I assume makes the case for him as, as liberal, but who knows what that means? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the the we shall be free thing is interesting because we'll skip ahead a little bit. So he, I guess he wrote that after he was in LA, he had played like an award show and then the Rodney King riots happened mm. and he was like, this Whoa. is fucked up. <laughs> and so he, you know, made, he, yeah. he, he scheduled a meeting with a songwriter. Right. He was like, I took a walk with Bob Doyle. Yeah. We solved Rodney King. Right. Like, right. It was like Rodney King songs, three uh, verse chorus, verse chorus. Yeah. We're going to want to go. With right. This? He's like, I feel like I can really just kind of talk to this community. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I got 45 minutes. We're going to crack this nut. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he writes, he writes a song and it is like, it's very, um, you know, tolerant in the sort of like, uh, in the liberal tradition of everyone should do whatever they want. Um, he, they have a video for it. He's going to sing the national anthem at the 1993 Super Bowl. <laughs> that he's going to sing the national anthem in the, in the video. video. <laughs> oh yeah, just start, just kick it off with a little national anthem. So he's going, yeah, he's going to sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Uh, he's part of the deal is that they're going to air this video before the Super Bowl starts. NFL starts dragging their feet. Shocking! Wow. A wow. classic film. Wow. Yeah, right. the the tolerant NFL. Oh my god! So they, like the more the same. <laughs> yeah, same shit. And yeah. Also, that the NFL can't handle a handle a like, hey, why can't we get a long song by Garth, Garth Brooks? Brooks. Yeah, in like uh, the '90s. Yeah, it's not like I mean, you know, god damn it, we're back, we're back at like formation again, which is insane. Yeah. So yeah, they started going like, I don't know if we can play this. Like, we'll see. Garth, he's they said, uh, or his. his cohort was like he took off his cowboy hat put on his sweats and we were leaving the arena basically being like we're not going to sing the national anthem if you don't play this video and finally they played it and he said that uh the camera wasn't on garth that much yeah (laughs) Yeah. put his tight jeans back oh god (laughs) (laughs) um but i I guess the camera was mostly straying from garth during this as like their retaliation like an eagle flying around the other crazy thing about this is that i looked on wikipedia and i guess that nfl officials spotted John Bon Jovi in the audience in the crowd at the Super Bowl <laughs> and we're going to ask him to sing it as a replacement in, if oh, Garth that's said incredible. no oh so dude. John Bon Jovi almost became a scab for yeah. this Garth protest oh he would have absolutely done it too yeah he totally would have anyway that's that shit is nuts and so that yeah that it makes me think that Garth is probably not like an overtly like right. racist guy I think yeah. that uh 
Garth could really heal a lot of wounds and bring <laughs> this country together by singing the national anthem at the next Super Bowl, but also taking a knee while he plays guitar. Right, and exactly. The, yeah. the, Dude, the national anthem. If if Garth listening to this right now, it's yeah. a great it's a great concept. Be hero. Yeah. If any listeners out there have a main line to Garth, Garth yeah, yeah. please <laughs> slip us Garth's number. Yeah. Back back to no fences. Obviously, the other huge song from that is Friends in Low Places. Uh, karaoke anthem, of course. Yeah, that song rules. A true mainstay. Yeah. yeah. Really, like, I didn't know that other people knew that song mm. until I started drinking a lot <laughs> and that and doing Every karaoke. Day. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, my community is here, like, all this stuff. And then people would be like, oh, yeah, I don't know any other Garth Brooks songs. And you're I like, mean, oh, I'm, my community I'm, I'm that, is I'm not here. Bitch. Is this an acoustic version of this song? No, it builds. Oh, no. It builds. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You just... You just the don't really know the part of the song about wearing the last one boots to your friend's black tie wedding right. because you're such a fuck up. Yeah. Everybody's still outside having a cigarette yeah. at the time yes. that this is being. And then you hear the, you the hear first chorus and you're like, exactly. oh, God. <laughs> this is a real dirtbag anthem. Dirtbag anthem. It is. I toasted you said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain because I got. This is a weird comparison, but remember in Mimi in the Bathroom episode where you're talking about how everybody needs a weedus like t- teenage dirtbag or loser song yeah. Oh, yeah. in the 90s? Generational this is like, loser uh, song. Yeah, this is like uh, that exact same thing. Dirtbag loser verse with monster chorus. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. This is this is Garth Brooks' loser. This is uh, his uh, teenage shirt baby. bag. Except it's bigger than any of those songs. Mm-hmm. You could say that loser is Beck's uh, friends in low friends places. places. In, in many ways. In many ways. <laughs> <laughs> this rules. What's What's funny about this is this is obviously like a an anthem for for drunk fuck ups. But like, unlike many books I've read in this genre, uh, Garth. I think he's a he's a tippler, but he's not a he's not a drunk, and substances don't really seem to be an issue for him. Yeah, uh, he and seems never like have a very been. Serious career focused. He's person. a very yeah. like very focused dude. Yeah, Which, uh, a sensible beer or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems like um, he seems like uh like three beers on a weekend type of guy. Yeah, <laughs> like if the kids are in bed, like he'll have some liquor. Right, yeah. you know? or like a Hank Hill, like he drinks beer every day, but like it doesn't seem to affect him right. at yeah, all. Exactly. exactly, he's got a hollow leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are a ton of Garth songs about like drinking though. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's. Well, uh, he knows his audience. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he knows that he, he knows what all those uh, satellite dish people are up yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. You know, they are connected <laughs> to uh, advertisements for Bud Light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, including a notable song called "Beer Run." Okay. Which, which is a duet with George Jones. Okay. Who is like a notable like actual like fuck up alcoholic. Okay. And the music video for that song is. See, I wish we had uh, access to the CMT like archives or whatever. Right. But it's George Jones, who is an old man at this point mm-hmm. and had recently been arrested for um, having too many DUIs. So he drove his John Deere tractor to the liquor store. No, uh... And that's like, I don't think that solves that problem. In any in any like other setting, that would be seen as like a very serious issue to be dealt with. Right. And George Jones somehow parlayed it into like a like 
fun guy mythology thing. <laughs> and in like the music video for that song, Beer Run, or this song, Beer Run, it's just like him reenacting that. Like him being too drunk to drive, so his wife took away his car, so he took his tractor to the liquor store. Which is exactly the kind of country music lyrical setup that people make right, fun of. Exactly. Of just being like, ah, oh, yes, I driving your tractor to the liquor store. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... So obviously, like, No Fences is a smash. Um, there's also... I, the thing I like about no Garth's... Fences, no Borders. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just like that, obviously, Garth is a savvy kind of market dude in the sense that he's going to include like his up-tempo songs, his like uh, his yearning ballads. He's got one song about farm repossession in the eighties called <laughs> wolves um, written by a woman who was like super excited to have that song included. Every number one album should have a song about farm repossession, <laughs> yeah, particularly exactly. in the eighties. Yeah. We got to think about the farmers. Policy in pop- popular music. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, 1991 rope in the wind title came from uh garth had a college friend who uh i can't remember the context of the story but like at one point his father was like this guy he's sooner gonna rope rope the wind than be a successful singer songwriter and then uh showed him showed him garth kind of brought this guy up and he ended up in his touring band i think co-songwriter at Was some point like a uh, tie something yes. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. exactly yeah. Yeah. classic like yeah. baseball player name yeah. yes um and so garth was like you know what i think we're all just roping the wind out here so yep that's deep yeah it's basically just like an ersatz when pigs fly yeah which is <laughs> right like, which is like if what what are country music album titles for if not just <laughs> like updating some weird idioms yep uh yeah i mean so uh, but at this point like Surely after Friends of Low Places hit, it's just like every album that's coming out is just like up and up and up and up and yeah. for him. It's a smash. Um, did I send you Burning Bridges or no? Let's find out. If not, we can just reference. I just love this. This was, I thought, a very clever bit of lyricism where Burning Bridges is about a guy who just constantly leaves every good thing in his life, um, any kind of romantic partnership, whatever. Like the guy just loves to dip. And the there's a couplet that is um, yesterday she thanked me for oiling that front door. This morning when she wakes she won't be thankful anymore. <laughs> Meaning he oiled oh, the front door. Yeah. Yeah. So overnight when he sneaks out she won't hear him. Oh, oh I thought it was a, a sex very, thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very clever. That's yeah. very clever. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. Um, just I don't know shit like that. I'm just like yeah, yeah. This is good. This is very clever. And I, I'm down. Um, the the main the but the main song I want to highlight from this, this is the the song that I think I love the most when I was listening to Garth stuff um, in prep. So Garth joined one of the like Columbia Record Clubs thing where you get like ten CDs for the price of one. Uh, yeah. But because he was you know constantly touring and having meetings and stuff, he did not cancel it in time, and so he ended up with all these CDs that he didn't want. He was a Billy Joel fan from the '80s, and he hadn't listened to Billy Joel in a while, and he ended up with Billy Joel's album Stormfront, and was like, "Oh, this is full of bangers." Um, and specifically the song "Shameless" from Stormfront, he was like, he said he thought it was sex on a record. He loved it. He was kind of paying attention to Billy Joel's single release strategy. You know, one, two, three singles come out. None of them are shameless. His people call Billy Joel's people. They're like, uh, yeah, we're not going to do it. Go for it. Do a single. Can you pull up the um, CMA performance of Shameless? Yes, absolutely. Here I will say is. that this is one of my favorite Garth Brooks songs. This is like, I love this shit so much. This is live in 1991. Yeah. 
And he said he was really nervous playing this because he didn't know how it was going to go over. And he's also standing... Yeah, I do want to note that he's coming out in a uh, beautiful, if tight, uh, blue, black, and white uh, country shirt, uh, western shirt, holding a single rose. With his headset. Yeah. And the very tight pants. I'll do anything at all. And I'm still here for all the world to see. Oh, baby, that's what's left of me. Don't have very far fall. So you know yeah. how I'm not a man who's ever been insecure about the world I've been living in. I don't break easy. I have my pride, but if you need to be satisfied, I'm ashamed. Well, honey, I don't have a prayer. Every time I see you standing there, I go down a ball He's just so horny. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a rare moment where Garth like really kind of lets his his gut boil up. Yeah. I've never found what I couldn't resist, what I couldn't turn down. I can walk away from anyone I ever know, but I can't walk away from you. He's just, he's putting his all into it. Yeah, and, the, and the, I appreciate that. The, uh, very controlled, performative voice crack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you can, he's like, definitely timed out like when he should be emotional yeah 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 no this is definitely but it's great like it works yeah this is also the beginning of like a lifelong friendship between him and Billy Joel Aww. they like constantly surprise each other at their concerts Billy Joel <laughs> Billy Joel made appearances in several uh, like Chris Gaines documentary oh, no! like supportive things oh, that Garth produced to like keep the conceit going Oh, Jesus. He's Which probably is, the first guy he called. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny thing of Billy Joel now who, like, won't even stand up at his own concerts at yeah. MSG or whatever. Like, just, like, gets helicoptered in. Oh, God. <laughs> Thinking about him, like, flying to Nashville to appear in Garth Brooks's like, alter egos, fake behind the music documentary. They, like, must re... There must be some sick royalty checks. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, same energy. Yeah. No, huge same energy. Yeah. Yeah. Two big dudes in some tight pants. Tight pants. Yeah. Just uh, being horny as hell. It's yeah. like uh, Garth Brooks is like Oklahoma Billy Joel. Billy Joe is like uh, Long Island Garth Brooks. Yeah. 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 That's true. So I gotta let it go. I was actually. This is, this is really worth a watch to like get yeah. what Garth Brooks is. I'll, I'll just, try to remember to throw this the link He's in. just being so damn earnest with his fucking rose that he's holding in his and hand. And he's holding a, just a single rose the entire time. And it's I just, good. it's also like, it's an industry thing, so he's singing to his, his peers. peers. He's oh, a, yeah. I don't know, I think it he's a very to, vulnerable guy. It honestly and I love cuts that. to what looks exactly like, though I'm pretty sure it's not uh, George and Barbara Bush. <laughs> it would not be surprising like if when they it were comes at, to the like, applause yeah. so that's what it looks like <laughs> I also just want to bring up in this section with with uh, from Rope in the Wind Bob Doyle <laughs> says about Garth 
He says, I think Garth has always dreamed about a particular kind of romantic hero, like the guy who catches the touchdown that wins the game but bangs his head on the goalpost and dies. <laughs> Wait, what type of guy is that? <laughs> That's something that Bob Doyle and Garth yeah. Brooks, if they would say that to each other, they both knew exactly like who that, that. from their town yeah. that that happened to. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. That, oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy who caught the winning touchdown and then yeah, died because yeah. he hit his head yeah. on the thing. He was, he was nine feet tall and super good at football and hit his head on the little crossbow. Yeah. It's terrible what happened to Maitland there's, family. There's a little yeah. uh, there's a little crucifix in the in the end zone for, yes. for right, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I deliberately wasn't gonna bring this up, but I do have a um I am in possession, thanks to Oink's Pig Palace. Uh <laughs> Of an early, which was like a the torrent, like an early torrent oh, okay, website. Got it, you know? got it. Uh, this is so. This is it's called the Hunger Years. Okay, it was it's a live bootleg recording recorded before Garth released an official album. Sure, okay. I guess it's kind of weird that I have this, but <laughs> I, I was listening to it earlier this week to be like, oh, I wonder what that is. Um, but there's actually a cover of Piano Man. Ooh, uh, really? Uh, on this, so it's Garth. Do, Brooks, do you have that on your? Yeah, uh, uh, he's. He's 24 when okay. this comes out. So he's young, young, young. Oh, wow. Um, and hence, the, and he didn't hit until he was like years. 30. Yeah. So this is when he was still living in Oklahoma. Um, and it's the album is like, I think it's like 18 songs, 25 songs, um, mostly covers. <laughs> Again, you listen to like uh, any, any like band demo from the 80s. Yeah. It's like we have our single and like our other song that's okay and one song that's like a total joke. Right. And yeah, like four Eagles covers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's like here are my 30 original songs. These are just my best 30. Yeah. Do you want to hear the other 30? <laughs> so this is uh, the audio quality is going to be really bad but sure it Let's is we... Garth kind of revealing an early obsession Joel, with, Joel. with Mr. Joel. Okay. Thank you very much. Ooh, no, that sounds, that sounds good. Oh, wow. Although, it is subtly hilarious. It's a, it's a great musical joke yeah. to be covering Piano Man on guitar. Yep. <laughs> the regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man. Huge open mic night energy on this recording. Oh, yeah. Making love to his tonic. Oh, he does sound very young. Yeah. He says, son, can you play me? Sounds like Country Billy Joel. Yeah, you, the like the, the way he's modulating his voice is like right in that early Billy Joel yeah. age. Oh, this song is so sad. This is the only song that makes me cry for real. I'm looking through the other songs on this weird bootleg, and it's mostly covers. There's a couple early demos of stuff that came out on that first album, but it's Tequila Sunrise, okay. Piano Man. Rocket Man. Okay. Time in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, man. Cats in the Cradle. This guy's got a vibe, and it's not a very country vibe. Uh, Night Moves by Bob Seger. <laughs> wow, can we hear that? Yeah, absolutely. Chris is a Seger, a Seger boy. Yeah, I mostly like Hollywood Nights, but I appreciate uh, Seger's whole vibe. Yeah, there are some, there are some quiet hits, some quiet Seger hits. James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, but he he knows what he wants is to be a pop guy. Yeah, but yes. yeah. in the country, movie. yeah, he wants to wear cowboy boots and sell albums like a pop star. Yeah, yeah. which you know is basically everybody's dream currently. Yes. So, like, who can who can fault him for that? Right. Yeah. He's a little too tall, kid is a few pounds. 
tight pants point hollering out. He's pretty good at guitar, too. Yeah. I know the guitar is not his main thing, but, you know. This has a solid, like, three beer energy. Yeah. Yes. I keep saying energy, but we can edit one of those out. Back in the back seat on my 60 Chevy. Working on the street without any clues. Working on the news. Working yeah. on time news. Oh, yeah, I love this. Try to make some progress. Yeah, I feel like if we didn't know this was Garth Brooks, I would just be like, oh, yeah, man, that dude is like trying really hard and like yeah, practicing yeah. and like perfecting his craft <laughs> or yeah. whatever. This is a very yeah. competent cover. Yeah. In the summertime. Anyway, I'm, I'm really proud of him. Good job, Garth. He's come a really long way yes. from this, you know? Thanks for sharing those Willie's bootlegs. Willie's yeah, yeah. Saloon. Yeah. I would never have figured out how to download. That's sweet. Um, like, I mean, what else? We've got, so we're in, nine, 92 is the chase. That's where, that's the We Shall Be Free uh, song. You know, he, he refers to this as, um, this is one of the first times you started to get, uh, well, Mr. Brooks, I don't share that opinion. <laughs> he's, he's getting a little like a little weird because I think, you know, you have three like multi-platinum albums. Mm-hmm. You start kind of feeling your your oats or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and getting a little loose. 93 is in pieces. Uh, that That's his. He's, I guess he's straying even a little further from whatever the traditional definition of country is. Um, the, I was interested in this quote where he said, for me, the artist is country. So whatever he does, well, that's country. Yeah. Which is how you consider that is interesting because that's how you think about other genres of music. Yeah. Like people are, uh, people are artists are genres rather than genres are artists, which is mm-hmm. mainly how country is considered. Which right. Is again, right. The siloing effect of it is that like, if you don't listen to country, you don't know anybody in it because it's not like, Oh, this Person is a country art artist, so if you like that person, you like country. Music. Right, if you right. like country, you like this person. Yeah, um, in pieces, I think is notable because he he starts to getting into saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell um, yeah. Did I wait? Did I send you one night a day? I'm not sure if if I found a clean version of that. One night a day, but one night a day. So it involves a sax solo. Garth, uh, he takes it upon himself to play the sax solo. <laughs> At a live, so it's a live show that is a TV special, and he describes it. He says it's the squarest, whitest guy on the planet is getting ready to pick up one of the most soulful, sexiest (laughs) instruments God ever created. And Bill Clinton just walks onto stage. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, God, yeah, early '90s, a lot of white guys trying to play saxophone in public. Seriously. Oh, I don't man. think there's a live. Wish I was a live there. recording of this. Right. What's the song called? It's called One, One Night, Night a, a Day. Day. But you're specifically looking for the live version, right? Y- yeah, because I don't know if he played this the studio version. All right, let's see if this hits it. This is, of course, posted by ILoveKidRock.com on YouTube. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Good. Not a lot of things to I think we're going to have to listen to a lot of this before we get to sex, but Let me see if I can skip ahead. Yeah, try to find that sex. I think it's really funny that, like, if you sell whatever it is, 14 million albums, like, people, I mean, I guess obviously this is true, but people will just, like, let you play yeah. whatever instrument you want. Yeah. If you want to be like, oh, hey, like, yeah, I, I grew up playing the banjo, but, um, 
on this album, I think I'm going to do the uh, woodwinds. People are just like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess like he kind of is defining country music right now. <laughs> so like bad saxophone is what we're doing. Yep. Like put on your boots. Yeah. <laughs> and Garth's self-review is. So, yeah, this is definitely not Garth. It's a real saxophone player. Right. He says the live version that he did, he said it was absolutely it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> But you know he's 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 humble. Yeah, honestly, this sounds yeah, this sounds great. And <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound like country music currently. But right, yeah, this sounds closer to R R and B. Honestly, yeah, a little smooth jazz number. <laughs> I'm into it. I would have much preferred him to have a uh, heavy synthesizer period, of course. But right, you know, can't have everything. Yeah, we yeah. can't have everything. Sorry. Well, he's still releasing albums. You know, his his. Most recent album was called Man Against Machine, uh, which, is that, which maybe, sounds like it could yeah, be a... Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. yeah. We need to get him in there with like, a, I don't know, maybe like St. Vincent or something to sure. produce something. Right, Trent, Reznor. Yeah. Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor could be good. Maybe yeah. little Jack Antonoff. He's 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 on the modular synth. That sure. would be fun. <laughs> Jack Antonoff, is, he produced the Dixie Chicks last year. Yeah, he was in the yeah. studio with them. So yeah. Yeah, He's been in there with everybody. He's, he's hopping in on, on Yeehaw as well, so... Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, things obviously, I think the first three albums were huge. I think the second two albums were maybe not quite as big as the yeah. first three, but still I think massive. The, the wild thing yeah, is like to think like if your second album goes 14 times platinum and it's like one of the best selling albums of the decade or whatever, yeah. like, yeah, your third and fourth album are not going to sell yeah, yeah. as well as that. Right. And he like and starts to be like disappointed of like, ah, oh, only eight times platinum. Yeah. But he gets totally hurt about it. And yeah. he's like, if I don't keep selling at the same rate, like I'm going to retire right. and some classic, like threatening to walk away stuff. So his fans are like, no, please don't do it. We'll listen to your saxophone album. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. What's another thing that's so, crazy some about? People ask why I've never written anything as good as Catch Twenty Two. Well, I like to ask who has. Yeah. Who has? Um, he did not. He was doing club tours. He didn't. He he toured on Rope in the Wind, but that was his third album. He didn't do a world tour until 1993, which I find interesting because reading these books, tours definitely break people's brains. Oh yeah, because it's like the it's the actual work part. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like songwriting is work, but that's just you taking can walks. usually like yeah, but, you're, but you can you're do it like literally here. like living living in your apartment, going on a walk, going to the studio, yeah. going back to your apartment. Yeah. You can do just that and get to fourteen times platinum. Yeah, album. yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, it's definitely touring is the the stressful yeah sort of because you actually have to actually be the star, yes. right? And he's also playing like five nights in each city. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, how is that? Could you imagine like if you're tour like the, that's like another weird thing about like kind of like road, like roadhouse country music stars who tour like mm -hmm. 275 days a year. Yeah. I'm on the road, like right. Willie Nelson style. And then, but Garth is going on world tours that last like five years. Yeah. Yes. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yes. Like who could you like? Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. It's also crazy thinking of like Garth, country garth brooks world tour like yeah. what is like garth brooks in japan like yeah no it, that, there's a whole massive thing. Yeah. he has a huge audience in ireland sure which is like yeah i mean i guess i don't know like your name is troy al that's it might be irish i don't Look, know every why. every american every white american is irish like three right exactly yeah, yeah. Sure, particularly sure. if you're gonna sell out like nine nights in dublin yeah, like yeah. and you're white you're just like oh yeah i'm irish like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, 
he did have a whole thing though where he like stood up to the Irish government. Did he? Uh, did, did no, he not do? in a cool way. No, oh, not, not in an IRA way. Oh man. He uh, the Irish government. He was like booked to pay. This is this is recent. This is like in two thousand. Okay, two thousands. Um, he was booked to play five shows at some like music festival in Dublin. And then the people who like live near the music festival grounds were like, no, he can only play three. And the Irish government was like, okay. And Garth Brooks was like, I'm playing five or I'm walking away. Oh my <laughs> and God. And they, like, they were like, yo, Garth, like just play three, like yeah. please. And he Chill. didn't do it. And he canceled all five shows. Oh my God. And the city of Dublin was like, we lost um, like $50 million <laughs> oh, in, in, no. in like hotel fees. Oh my um, God. It was like, it was like a major dip in tourism for us. Like this whole thing. And he was like, sorry, like I'm just not doing it. It's five or nothing. Like, Jesus Christ, Garth, yeah. come on. Yeah. But also a uh, noise restrictionist, Bees. Yeah. Uh, BTFO. I have always said to Garth Brooks, yes, in my backyard. Yes, yes, in my backyard. <laughs> uh, Garth can play uh, Five Nights at Barclays if he wants to. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. He, Easily. He's, I mean, he's bigger than Barclays. Uh, he could do, you know, probably, yeah, he could do Five Nights at Barclays. Probably. But, like, he's on a stadium tour right now. Yeah, I would I, w- I was looking up who else is doing stadium tours, like, this summer. Rolling Stones. Okay. Sure. Heard of them. BTS. Heard of them. Uh, and like that's kind of it. Cardi B's playing like a one off with Migos at MetLife. Met like, Which it, let us acknowledge is massive. insane. Right, I mean, that is a con- huge. Considering huge that thing. none that's of us incredible. knew who Cardi B was three, two yeah. and a half years, years ago? ago. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. and do, uh, didn't do know it, who Migos was two, two and, and a half? three years, years ago. It's yeah. like yeah. yeah, no, it's it's great. Yeah, good for, good for both of them. One thing, like our. Friend Matthew gets frustrated with this is like people conflating arena tours and stadium tours. Yeah. Lots of people can do arenas. Uh, arenas or, do like, an, I could do an arena. Yeah. I could leave this podcast and do <laughs> an do arena. Yeah. Barclays up the street. Arenas, to be clear, are like 20. 10, yeah, 20,000. 20,000. Stadiums are 70,000. 50 to 70,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And like the, he's doing the multiple staff nights. at an arena yeah. tour could fill. Yeah. Or sorry, the staff at a stadium tour could fill an arena. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's not so true. So, like, uh, to be. So, for our reference, Barclays Arena, like Life Stadium, right? Yeah. Ariana Grande played Madison Square Garden and Barclays. Like she's not playing MetLife, right? And she's the, right. like probably one of the biggest pop stars going right now. Most very few followers people. in the world. Yeah, Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. Maybe don't check that. Most Twitter followers, I won't do. Yeah. I would like hope that. it. You know, I just feel like the Kardashians have been giving follow. us very like um very like same same yeah. content mm-hmm. lately. Um, yeah. So but yeah, so Garth and Garth Brooks is like you know still he's still selling out. Twenty nineteen. Selling out stadiums. I don't check the charts of his. I don't know the charts of his twenty first century albums off the top of my head, but yeah. I'm sure they're still huge. Yeah, they've got to be. I mean, like he does his whole thing about anti streaming, yeah. which we yeah. should get into Garth's like bizarre approach to kind of like the twenty first century. Yeah, basically. But he's held back everything from streaming, so yeah. he's not getting. There's nothing of him on Spotify. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he is. Even for no some Garth of the other Brooks stuff that Evo. I try to look up, uh, yeah, on yeah. YouTube, there is no official Garth Brooks anything on YouTube. You can't, you cannot find any official Garth Brooks material streaming online, and you can barely find any good quality uh, Garth Brooks. Oh yeah, he is like, like bootlegs. You can tell that he's like the late night like DMCA takedown notice filer kings. Three like, years in, yeah, just DMCA. Yo, that is that is his like sin. Like that's what he does when his like wife is asleep, and he's just like I guess. <laughs> Maybe that sin is the wrong word. Yeah. But like his wife goes his to sleep vice. and then he's like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Like yeah. I'm going to file a bunch of takedowns. He's not drinking. He's not 
fucking anyone else. Right. He's just, yeah, yeah takedowns yeah. through the night. Yeah, so That's ev- his thunder rolls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thunder rolls yeah. and Garth takes it down. Hitting, typing in www.youtube.com. Yeah. Thunder rolls. But he... <laughs> Also, he had his own streaming platform. Yes, <laughs> which I didn't realize. He was like kind of did title before title was a like he failed at title before title failed at title. So this was called Ghost Tunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, launched in 2014. Oh, I love a good ghost tune. So yeah. it was a little like it was later than the scramble to like fi- figure out what the fuck to do after Napster. Like right. it, it was the dust had kind of settled there. But it was a little bit, yeah, it was before Tidal and before, I think, Spotify existed. When was Spotify? I think that Spotify existed. Yeah, like 2012, he, 2013. He, like, made a big thing where he was like, we're, we treat artists more fairly than other streaming mm. services. Mm-hmm. So, unless he was thinking of, I don't know what another streaming service is, but, like, he, he must have had some frame of reference. Like, yeah. I can do better than those guys. Right. So. MySpace. He had, he, yeah, exactly. Like, the MySpace like, mini <laughs> player. So, yeah, like he started uh, his own streaming service and then he thought that just him, like just a streaming service with just Garth Brooks would like be a successful thing. Right. Which is like, well, we got other artists on it, but he was the main draw. Right. Yes. Right. Which, right. you know, another person has tried yeah. um, and didn't, it hasn't really worked. So well. Right. Oh, God. Ghost Tunes was derived from the founder Brooks's first name, Garth, and his hosting of the site g host hell yeah ghost dude that's a guy who understands the internet yeah he's like oh yeah we host the songs and my name is garth and that's means ghost do you think that came from a meeting where he was like now can y'all just explain to me this whole music streaming thing like just put it in layman's terms so garth you're gonna host the songs on your streaming platform my name is garth and we're hosting (laughs) yes (laughs) so you will be a kind of g host to these songs G host sounds like a like a backpack rapper from like yeah, the early right, 10s yeah, exactly little Minneapolis guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the the like G moniker or the G prefix he also calls his touring band the G men oh, so, Garth Brooks and the G men Garth okay. Brooks and the G men so there's, there's like a whole like kind of like branding situation Around going G. on there he's yeah. trying but I he's like humble it. he uses a lowercase G oh ooh, cause he doesn't okay. want to compete with a big guy exactly the government yeah, exactly. Uh, I was the big say, man I was upstairs, say God, the government. Right? <laughs> I was still thinking about G-Men. Uh, right, yes. yeah, he doesn't want to com- compete with the big guy, the yeah. FBI. Yeah. Um, Go- Ghost Tunes got absorbed into Amazon Music, I believe, when it, when it Excuse- ended. What? Because they had like a partnership with Amazon. I assume some... Look, I assume some people use Amazon Music. I haven't met them. Yeah, no. I had to download it for work briefly, so I do have it on my computer, but it's mostly just an annoying thing that starts up when I Yeah. Oh, off. no. Yeah. Um, he also did an exclusive distribution deal with Walmart for a while. He was that like, makes sense. He was like you can sell my records, but only in one place. Like, I'm not going to sell them at stores. But I guess if you have to pick a record store, Walmart probably sells more records than anybody probably. else. They're the, so. probably the yeah. biggest, were the biggest well, record brick store. Brick and mortar, yeah, yeah. 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 I like, yeah. it's funny, like, I, I get it. It's one of those things where I'm sure he's like, he was concerned with royalty payments and he was concerned with fairness in this in the way that, like, artists usually do get fucked by their deals. Right. But then, like, obviously, there was, like, the other thing, did we talk about this? He was a, a not a fan of used CD sales. Oh, yeah, he boycotted... <laughs> 
<laughs> used record stores? Yeah, he. I think it was the release of In Pieces. This is, this is he, so insane. He was basically like, my record label is not going to s- release this album to any CD stores he, who practice in the selling of used CDs. See, this is and where, this resulted in antitrust legislation against Capitol Records. See, Hell this yeah. Is, this is just where it verges into <laughs> misanthropy, where it's like, right, well, yeah. what, are you going to like us, like round up a posse and hit every garage sale in America right, and yeah. keep them from selling your CDs. Also, if it, if this was that early, like it was, it's not like people were ripping his CDs yeah, to yeah. MP3 and then bringing them back to the record store. He just straight up was like, no, everybody needs to buy a new, new CD yes. so I can make 19 cents off of them. Yeah, there was not. Yeah, no one was burning anything. Yeah. There was no piracy. Chill, oh, God. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got it, dude. Yeah. You got it. You're 14 times five. Oh, it's a wild thing for him to be like still this obsessed with it and yeah. not yeah. have his music like Put anywhere. Your shit. Yeah. It's th- this summer. It's the it's this is the moment that the, the caldera is erupting and, yeah. and and the country music is back into the scene. Put your shit on Spotify. This is your one shot. Take your <laughs> shot to be relevant for another 20 years yeah. to get, get yourself out in front of another p- bunch of people. But it's like a huge thing. Like there are all those Nirvana 20th anniversary yeah, or whatever, yeah. 25th anniversary mm, things, yeah. like all this stuff. 89 was the first first yeah. album, right? Nobody's going to cover a Garth Brooks, Brooks like anniversary thing because you can't link to anything. Yeah, right. yeah. There's right. no, there's no. Re- it's his just going to be like, hey, strategy. you guys remember these songs, right? Ha ha. Anyway, please like and subscribe. I mean, I, I've been very, <laughs> I, I've been feeling very positive up to now, but you know, like taking this opportunity of being the 20th anniversary of your first album and not like recognizing the moment and being like let let the world hear yeah. it already. In, in again, Garth Brooks' position, I'm sure he has more money. And he oh, it's got to be insane. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's got to be insane. Yeah. He, at that at that point, hoarding your your digital streaming services, you're you're fucking Gollum ho- ho- holding the ring as you get kicked into the uh, the molten lava. Right, exactly. Dude. Yeah, and like, there's nothing for you there. What does he think? <laughs> Let like, the people have it. Yeah. What does he think? Like the play is. Yeah. Like yeah. what's his like strategic goal at the He's end? Like, of I'm this? gonna wait yeah. until everybody who is a fan of mine gets old enough that internet technology has changed enough that they can't find my that right. they can't find it online right and they'll have to like write into garth brooks uh right rejoin the columbia records mail order catalog or whatever i can also see that coming back in like a retro way in like five years yeah it's like what one of those like vinyl subscription services but it's like with penny cds yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah no it's that's dumb yeah oh that's that's all that's personally that's all i got it's funny he closes the book out by referring to record sales um he he says bob doyle was like he said to him how far do you think it can go it was in 1995 garth was like well we're at 50 million sales right now and it's halfway through the decade maybe if we take care of the music and the people which is what he refers to as his sort of cultivating yeah, of his artistry mm-hmm. blah 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 he's saying he's gonna kill him yeah yeah, yeah. he's gonna <laughs> kill everybody who take, has a songwriting if we take care <laughs> of them um then maybe we could hit 100 million by the end of the decade and so that was kind of his like pie in the sky goal and i think he sold 170 million yeah, records. Blown through it. yeah so get your shit on streaming <laughs> yeah what are you doing 170 million records you you got it you got the bag just he's secu- garth has secured the bag he really has you in have many ways and he, i hope bag. he has a good financial advisor to like get some reasonable investments he doesn't like nothing need too one. aggressive he get scammed like 100 times yeah. over and still have whatever it is he wants you've secured the bag give the people the music give the people the music it would be huge ah people want it people anyway, want it other, other than being a copyright tyrant uh 
good good music. He's a, he's a good he's yep. a good boy. He Absolutely good fascinating, total weirdo. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Normie one, nor the rare breed of normie weirdo. Oh, normie yeah. weirdo yeah. as opposed to weirdo normie. Yeah, yeah. The, the the thing I actually do want to close out is something I saw on Wikipedia, which is according to the RIAA. This was uh, a, their initial calculation. Obviously, we've talked about their calculations are weird. Um, that Garth Brooks was the best-selling solo artist of the 20th century in America. This conclusion drew criticism from the press and many music fans who were convinced that Elvis Presley had sold more records but had been shortchanged in the rankings due to faulty RIA certification <laughs> methods during his lifetime. And this is what I wanted to highlight. Brooks, while proud of his sales accomplishments, stated that he too believed that Presley <laughs> must Hell have yeah. sold more. Hell yeah! That's a, that's that a seems like a, that seems also like a political consideration. That's just like a real humble dude who's yeah. definitely like not trying any weird backhand thing to yeah. keep people from getting mad at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm sure it was Elvis. It had to be Elvis. I think yeah. it was actually a long con by the RIAA to deny Elvis his his stuff. You know, they <laughs> they could have done sound scan earlier, but they were yeah. like, no, not until the that dude's not dead. until the king is dead. Yeah, despicable. Ah oh, man. Well, I think we're all really proud of Garth I, for everything I, he's accomplished. Yes. He's just a great singer-songwriter. It's hard work. And everything, the best. everything he's going to go on to accomplish, too. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe one day getting an email address. <laughs> or uh, restarting ghost tunes. Yeah. Maybe starting a YouTube channel. Like... It's never too late to become a YouTuber, as Will yeah. Smith has demonstrated. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not a YouTube for his music videos, but a YouTube where he just kind of talks about like an Uber driver who was rude to him. Yeah, yeah. He reviews fast food. Yeah. yeah. Oh could, no, that could be Garth Brooks mukbangs would be huge. Honestly. Oh no, like, yeah, just like a just like a weird. Uh, honestly, now music. I was just looking up some pictures of him from this recent tour. When you mentioned he had his Twitter, uh, now that he's abandoned the the kind of uh, goatee look, which was making his face look pretty fat. Uh, <laughs> the um. The the like full stubble beard look. I mean, honestly, goddamn, he's kind of looking like Billy. Like what? <laughs> like Billy Joel? Yeah. Like Billy Joel? Yeah. He is just like growing that Billy into Joel it. egghead. Yeah. yeah. He does him. have a he does have like a kind of disappearing neck situation yeah, yeah. going yeah. on here. That'll that'll happen. And also, John Travolta. Yes. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. Good references. Good he face references. Is also incredibly notorious for photoshopping the shit out of himself on it, the cover of his albums. Sure. Mm. And like really just like kind of going like hitting it with the Instagram influencer slimming filter. That face, yeah, yeah, that yeah. face yeah. tune. Oh God. You know what? Just just accept who you are, Garth, because you're good you're you're good at what it is. Yeah. Talk about another 90s country star who has emerged as Bay is Billy Ray Cyrus is looking fantastic. Oh, yeah. He is looking great. He's 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 having his moment, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, dude looks super natural. Just as I'm on the, the <laughs> Garth Brooks table. <laughs> Just as I'm on the Garth Brooks uh, Twitter page looking at him, uh, the two followers that follow him that I also follow are Audrey Plaza, Okay. Uh, who I must have followed in like 2011. Okay. Yeah. And the Cincinnati Zoo. <laughs> he wants those panda updates. I yeah. 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 Or no, the hippo updates. Oh, oh, Fiona, oh, oh right. Fiona, yeah. Fiona, yeah. Pandas, yeah. pandas is San Diego and they're, yeah, yeah. they're gone now. Um, um, damn. Yeah. Nothing calms you down after a hard day of doing a world tour. Like looking like some hippo vids. Tracking how big a hippo is getting. <laughs> Uh, man. All right. We, we should wrap up because we're going quite long here, but you know, this is the first country musician we've, we've covered he and he's a it. big one and we hit a bunch of songs. So I, yes. th I think it's worth it. Yes. Um, do you guys have a sign off that you always do? We do. Yes. We have, we have a, a patter, an exit patter, but, but any, uh, anything you want to plug or, you know, um, 
Your Twitter, maybe? <laughs> yeah, you should follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Team Sweeting. Um, do you guys have like a mattress? And that's, S- <laughs> and that's S-W-E-E-T-I-N-G? Yeah, S-W-E-E-T-I-N-G. At Team Sweeting on yeah. Twitter. Underrated on Underrated. Twitter. Uh, go find uh, go find. Yeah, Team get Sweeting. in on the bottom. Yeah, mm. get in on the bottom and, and you know, learn to love it. You, you can say, I was there. When I, you I know, there. um, yeah. What are my plugs? Do you have any plugs, Molly? Uh, I got, I got nothing today. Nothing. No um, plugs. No fences. No plugs. I will be in Europe soon. Sorry. I will be. I will be in Europe soon uh, on the Chapel Drive House tour. I've heard people in Dublin uh, say that they will come say hi to me. I would love to hear. Uh, I I know that we have fans in Glasgow because uh, I've seen our stats. If you're in Glasgow. Uh, we know you exist. Yeah, uh, June third. <laughs> please come to uh, to Glomgomor. I forget the fuck where we're playing. It's probably pronounced like uh, that. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Oran Moor. Oran Moor in Glasgow. On June third. All right. Manchester. Manchester Dance House. June seventh. I'm not skipping over London because uh, I don't care about anything there. Manchester Dance House in London is two blocks away from the Hacienda. I'm going to go to the Hacienda. And I'm going to stand in front of it and then touch its exterior, and, and you're and, just going to gobble a bunch of ecstasy and, and just take all your clothes touch off it for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But uh, in back in Dublin, Molly. Yes. Is there a chance you will be? In There's Dublin a chance I will be there at, as well. Come say hi. June going 9th, back to the homeland in Whoa, Dublin and introducing international meet and greet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're a Dublin fan, there there's a chance that you will be able to see both of us in. Dublin, June 9th at uh, Liberty Hall Theater. Come say what's what's bappin'. What's bappin'. Uh, um, and then probably at the pub afterwards. Yeah. Um, Y'all know about pubs? Do that Do that Irish, whatever the Nashville handshake is. I don't know what the Irish handshake is. <laughs> I assume it's handing, handing yeah, someone yeah, a Guinness. Guinness. Definitely yeah. don't Google Irish handshake. <laughs> 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 we, the, yes, the PG version is amazing. Yeah, it'll get you kicked out of the computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, come knocking the door down. Um, that's been it for this episode. We will be back very soon. Uh, two more weeks with uh, ooh, a, spe- a special format shift. Of, I think so. Of mm. what the show usually is. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, until then, we'll see you in another two weeks with another story of music, musician. Oh wait, do you have we have all the we have all the websites we have to plug. Oh fuck, I didn't even do those. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at an intropod. Send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. And our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Mm. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And <laughs> while you're there, please rate, rate and review and subscribe to us. Yep. Uh, rate us the way Garth Brooks would rate himself. Positively. Yeah, <laughs> positively. But humbly, but positively. He's really good, but not as good as Elvis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go on a walk with your with an old friend of yours and craft the perfect review on the walk. Yeah. <laughs> just just spitball. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just figure it out. Uh, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Kevin, Honestly, thank you, thank you so us. much for having me. Yes. I hope this has been a good outlet introducing for, uh, me to the world of podcasts. I hope this has been a good outlet for Garth Talk. This honestly this was a major part of my life that I was missing before. I don't think I've spoken to anybody about Garth Brooks since kind of weird, ill-fated internet forum trip in the, in, in the late 2000s. Well, maybe we'll get you back for Chris Gaines at some point. Yeah. I'll just do like an hour that. on Chris Gaines. I would yeah. love that. All right. Uh, great. Well, now, until next time, we'll see you in another two weeks for another story of music, history, musicians, biographies, stories, whatever. This has been and introducing. Mm-hmm.